Greetings from Podcastville. The Church of What's Happening Now is brought to you by Blue Apron. Blue Apron is the leading meal kit delivery service in the U.S. And while many other people know what we do, many don't know about the types of meals you eat when you cook with Blue Apron. Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient recipe delivery service in the country. And right now, Blue Apron is treating the church family, listeners, to their first three meals, a $30 value with your first order if you visit blueapron.com slash joey. So check out this week's menu and get your $30 off with free shipping at blueapron.com slash joey. Blue Apron, it's a better way to cook. Number two, listen, NFL playoffs this weekend. You still want to make some gears? You want to start the year off with some fucking money in your pocket, all right? They're finally here, and I want to tell you guys about mybookie.ag. The number one rated online sports book, period. With your fantasy football season over, the only way to make real fucking money off your sports knowledge is to win cash by betting at my bookie. All right, so right now, if you join my bookie, they'll match your deposit with up to a 50% bonus. Did you hear that? 50% bonus. So just use promo code CHURCH when making your account. Visit MyBookieAG today and bet on the Internet's favorite sports book, where you play, you win, and you get paid. Number three, you want to start the year off with a clean asshole, you got to go with the number one fucking portable day in the country. Hello, Tushy comes in a variety of colors. And let me tell you something. I don't give a fuck if Christmas is over. It always makes that best the best present. You ever look at somebody and you go, I wonder what their asshole mm-hmm. smells like. That ends today. Mm-hmm. Buy them a Hello Tushy, and they start at $69 with a 90-day money-back guarantee. Go to HelloTushy.com and press in church and get 10% off your first order. Kick that fucking mule, Lee. Oh, shit. It's the Church of What's Happening Now. Wednesday, January 10th. Here we go. Kick it. Church of What's Happening. It's coming now. Oh, shit. You want blood, motherfuckers? You got it. You get nothing for nothing. Tell me who can you trust? We got what you found. And you got the last. If you want blood. Oh shit. There you go, motherfuckers. It's Wednesday. There you go. The Church of What's Happening Now. My brothers are in the house. Felipe Esparza with his vegan glasses and my man fucking the Christ <laughs> killer and shit. What's up, fool? Up What's up? Happy New Year, man. Happy New Year. You Rodrigo's he, also in the house. He's over he's there, sitting, man. He's sitting there thinking about the Riverside floods of 66. That's what happens when you do one of those mushroom stars and fucking... <laughs> we do mushroom-coated stars here Ooh. at the Church of What's Happening Now. You a little tingle in your spine. Happy New Year, my Happy brother. New Year, Great man. Great to see you. Great to see you First too, man. I want to congratulate you on the HBO special. You created Waves. Uh, it's made a different you. It's a different animal. And uh, your eyes are also red as fuck. I love it. You know who Felipe looks like right now? You ever see that old picture of Zeppelin 
with Robert Plant all fucked up with his eyes all red. That's what you look like right now. You're like a Mexican Robert fucking Plant. I love <laughs> Robert Planta. What's going on with you, Rodrigo? You're holding on to that bong like it's <laughs> the last bong in the world and shit. And the Koreans are about to fire a missile. Look at you. His you're face like, looks like my face in the painting. You're like, fuck it. This bong will block the <laughs> missile. I'll leave it right here and shit. <laughs> It's a beautiful day to be fucking it, it, alive, man. What's going on, buddy? Good, man. I, I'm feeling good, bro. Um, pretty. Um, I, I think I ate too many. <clears throat> I ate one star. That's all you need. <laughs> and I hit a bunch of um, a bunch of bong ribs, and I saw Lee side almost choked to death. Oh my god, that was his first. Bong we were like, is he drowning? I've, I've, dude, I've had bronchitis for like two weeks, and the, for the entire two weeks, Joy's been like, you gotta smoke, you gotta smoke. Every, every other doctor, every commercial you see says, don't smoke when you have a cold. I took one bong hit and everything in my lung came, came up. Out. That's it. Bong hits it clean out, out your fucking lungs. It's well-known fact. I mean, I don't know what the... But when you fucking cough, it's good for your lungs. When you cough like that and get all that billy goat fucking Oof. milk out and gastric juices and whatever the fuck is in there. Starve no a doctor. flu, choke a cough. I'm no doctor, but I've had the flu, what, 20,000 fucking times, and I've smoked through all of them. And it even cut, in your mind, it cuts through the flu, because you're telling your fucking mind, I don't give a fuck. Bring it on, bitch. But that backfires from time to time. One time in, like, 2008, I got a bronchitis for, like, eight weeks. I couldn't swim. I couldn't do shit, so don't listen to me. Anyway, what is bronchitis? I don't, it's like a inflammation, it's like an infection in the lungs, or... Not, it's maybe it's just liquid in the lungs. I don't know, but I've got it. I've had it ever since I smoked hash with Joey. You know, I had that thing in my lungs when I was in high school, so I've always had a lung problem. You know, and I, I, dog, I got out of the hospital, and they were like, you know what? Don't be around smoke. Don't smoke. I got out of the hospital at one in the afternoon, and by four, I was doing bong hits, and by eight, I was doing a hit of fucking acid. I was fucking sixteen. What are you gonna tell a sixteen? That's funny. What are you gonna tell a fucking sixteen year old? People thought I had a lung problem just because of my voice when I was a kid. Because I had the same voice I do now when I was 10. They go, damn, that homie, man, he must smoke a lot of cigarettes. You never had a Michael Jackson voice? No, man. I, I was you were a kid. My friend would make fun of me like this. They go, hey, leave pen right there. So your voice always sounded fucked up. It's always done like this, man. Like, sometimes when I talk, people say, bro, you, where you from, man? The East Coast? Nah, bro, East LA. You know, it's funny, before we started the podcast, that's why we were late, we were just talking about it. He was in Boulder last weekend. And he asked me if I would ever consider going back to Boulder. And it's funny because Boulder, when I play Denver, it scares the shit out of me to have to think to go into a car and go to Boulder. Like, it just, because God knows. You know, when Rogan first went to Boulder, he called me like two days after he landed. He goes, you know... All your stories came into perspective because this place is like a fucking candy store for a guy like you. <laughs> yeah, it is. And you know what? As disgusting and you as can low, pull, you, you can push doors down though. As there. low life as it sounds, I mean that's why I don't go back because I'm disgusted with myself for the shit I did in Boulder. Because if I did that shit in New York, it wouldn't matter. If I did that shit in Jersey or in LA, it wouldn't matter. They're fucking dirty communities, whatever the fuck we are, you know. But the shit I did in Boulder, bro, they didn't deserve that. That's just, a, <laughs> they didn't deserve that at all, you know. And it's like I told you, the first time I went to Boulder, I didn't like it. It was too many hippies for me. But think about that. Just I'd said that to you just to let you know how much it changed. Like the first time I stepped foot in Boulder was uh, like maybe September of 83. I went down there for a weekend, and I fucking hated it. 
I fucking hate. Like, I wasn't used to tofu. I never known what tofu was. I never knew. I was right out of New York City. I had no idea what half that food was. And I had zero appreciation for it. Like, zero. I was too young the first time I went to Boulder. Then I went back to Boulder two years later. And I, and I went on the U District. I went into the to the hill. Yeah. And that's when I was like, wow, I'm staying in this motherfucker. It was clean. There was hippies, but not too many hippies. You know, what I called hippies. They were like homeless young kids. And they and at that age, I was robbing for a living. I wasn't fucking asking for no fucking handouts. So that's why I got so frustrated. Because I'm like, look at these young kids act, asking for handouts with a dog and a chick. What are they fucking crazy? <clears throat> but I hung out in the beginning, Felipe. Like, my first friend was a guy that believed in Satan. I was a Satan guy. His name is like Aura or something. Bad Aura. And that's who I bought weed from. Like the first time. Go shit? Huh? Go weed? Bro, I, I met him on the Boulder Walk. Like when I first moved to Boulder, I knew nobody. And yeah, I we're, went, we're I, staying at the Boulderama. Boulderado. 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 <clears throat> first time I walked into Boulder, I didn't know anybody. I mean, not a soul. I went to my house. I put my clothes in. I went to the bodega, whatever. Fucking the bodega in those days was uh, alfalfas. Which is Whole Foods in in Boulder. I went to Alfalfa's groceries with sixty bucks. I was like, "What the fuck is this?" You know, I just bought uh, this is twenty dollars back in New York, but that was Alfalfa's. I didn't know what the fuck this was. Everything was, <laughs> uh, you know, organic meat and shit. I, I was gonna know. say that doesn't sound like a bodega. No, I didn't know what it was, man. And then I was buying shit with kale. I fucking <laughs> started walking around, and I was like, it, "This was a perfect fo- place for me to be at twenty-two. I joined the gym. You were 22? What made you go to Boulder, Colorado? I was 21. Warrants. Okay. Police. People I owed money to. Boulder, Colorado, basically Hawaiian land. Yes. The way the people are. Yes. And I said that that before we started the podcast, Boulder gets as much sunshine yearly as much as Hawaii. Like, it's a fucking beautiful place. It really is. It's a, and it attracts a weird people. And like I said, I got. Bro, I was getting weed there 30 years ago that would have killed a fucking animal. The shit I was getting growing up in that high altitude, I was getting some good weed. And I was getting better weed than Aspen. But like I was telling you, man, it was just from 85 in Boulder to 88 to 9. No, I'm lying to you. For 10 years, I created havoc in that fucking town. Like havoc. Havoc. Internal havoc. If it was missing, I had something to do with it. I'm not proud of that. I'm not very proud of that at all. But that's who I was back then. Fucking crazy. But it's something you know, like you, you just, you just have a knack for it, you know, like because if you're like if you're if you're a gangster like in New York, you know Detroit, you go to a small town like that, like when like Joe Rogan say where everybody's there is super super cool. They're not looking for that. No, you it, said it yourself. They're you not could, looking for that. You're not looking for that, man. You could walk in there, man, and you test them out, you know, at the gas station by taking 20 power bars at once. So, like, I can't even, like, imagine a world without cameras. I think there's always been cameras when I've gone to stores. So, so like, what kind of security was there? Like, Nothing. Nothing. Not Nothing. a thing? So when I first moved One person Boulder, watching the whole store. I'll never forget going to the mall. When I was telling Felipe that I had gotten a... I had gotten a law settlement for my shoulder, and I put money away, and I made a promise to start a new life. How'd you mess up your shoulder? Ah, I messed it up lifting 
But the night before I did the scam, I fell against the floor, and uh, I was with Cy Lawrence, the fucking Jew that used to do the fake. Uh, you actually fucked your shoulder up for it. it yeah, you have to go to the, you have to go to the hospital with something. You just can't walk in the hospital and go. My shoulder hurts. So we went up against the wall and scraped it a little bit, and I banged it a lot. Oh, I, banged it. Sweep. I banged it to knock it out of the fucking joint. <laughs> you know oh my God. No, Gibson, lethal weapon. And I fucking uh, went in there, and then they had a cahoots with the attorney, and then the, the attorney fucking hooks you up with the doctors, and the doctors are in it. Sounds like Armenians in Glendale. And, oh, my God. And then they all go in on the small fucking 10%, and everybody's happy. My they don't friend. give a fuck. And everybody compliments everybody. I talk to you. You're the. I'm the X-ray guy. You're the fucking. It's like a scam. It, it blew my mind. And I took the. And I forgot all about it because in the process I robbed the chiropractor. <laughs> so in the process. <laughs> so in the process of fucking. It was the Please. night that Boom Boom Mancini killed Dukum Kim in the cell. In the cell. That was the night. The same thing. I remember being at the chiropractor's office and watching this fight, and nobody was even on the phones. You know, nobody. The, the nurses that were supposed to be answering the phones, they were watching the fight on a Saturday afternoon, and there was a fucking envelope, and I took it. And three days later, they arrested me. So I thought the case had gone sour. I thought the case with my shoulder had gone sour. I got a call one day that the attorney had my check in this fucking desk, and I went down there. I picked up the check on Friday, and I was on a plane on Sunday, guys. That's how quick. And I, I was on the plane. I was headed to Colorado Springs, but I ended up in fucking Boulder because some black dude talked me into going to Boulder. Man, you don't want to go to Colorado Springs, man. That's an armor town. You want to go to Boulder. That's where the Boulder is at. Go to Boulder. So I went to Boulder. and Prostitutes uh, over there? No. That, I, I, you know, that's not my bag. So it wasn't my bag at all. When you were there, with any other, any other people doing the same thing you were doing, or you were the only one? To my knowledge, I hang by myself. And then I met, then the, the blessing of my life, this guy, the like wolf. I said, this guy, no, way before the wolf. Way before the wolf. I met this guy named Fred. Ed, Ed, Ed. I met him through Ra. Ra was the devil guy that sold weed, and he'd have like <laughs> a bunch that. of young girls hanging out with him and shit, and fucking, uh, you know, he one day he introduced me to Ed. And Ed, me, and Ra got weed from the same hippie lady up on the hill. She was Eugena. She was like 50, and her boyfriend was like 20. He was a rich little nerd. His father invented like glue. And they were both trans fund kids, and they would hate society. Like, fuck this and fuck that. But you're trust funders. What do you got to hate? You know what I'm saying? All they did all day was smoke dope and sit there. They didn't have a job. They didn't do nothing. And then about five, she would send him to the store. They get like a bottle and they would get drunk and that's all they did. But I met this dude named Ed. And I hung out with Ed for a few weeks until I knew what Ed was. Ed told me he was in the army. So about two weeks go by and me and Ed go on the hill and there's this place called Stella's. And they used to have a, this was way before Boston Market, guys. They used to have the spit chicken. Rotisserie yeah. chicken? Rotisserie chicken. And everybody went there for chicken. Like you had to wait online there for the chicken. So I would go in the afternoons. And me and Ed go there one day, bro. When we get there, there's a bunch of cops outside. And they have a barricade. And there's a dude on top of the Fox Theater. And he's saying that he's going to jump. I'll never forget this, bro. And Ed's like, jump, motherfucker. And that's the day I fell in love with him. The cops kept saying, bro, please, you're just going to make the situation worse. He goes, I don't have time for this. He's yelling at the guy, jump, jump, jump. And then I became friends with Ed. That was it. And then I got into trouble. The cops were looking for me. I went to San Francisco. And then I came back two years later. And that's when I started 
my destruction, but I rehooked up with Ed. And I still didn't know what Ed did. Ed got checks. He said he used to go to the VA, that he heard noises. I knew he went to Vietnam, but I always thought he was a medic. And I always stayed friends with Ed. Ed, Ed, Ed. And one day I was up by Chautauqua Park where you were performing by the Bull Dorado up there. Yeah. And I saw Ed walking. And I go, Ed, what are you doing? He goes, this is where I live. He goes, you want to come over and roll a joint? And when I went in his house, guys, it was a, an apartment maybe the size of this in a basement up by Chautauqua. And it was just fucking medals, pictures of him with six guys with 20 bodies, dead with him with like, you know how they put the flag on the mountain? Yeah. With like a flag and a bunch of Chinese bodies, Vietnamese bodies. Oh. Dog, this guy was fucking crazy. And I go, I thought you were a medic. And he goes, no. <laughs> he told me he was something else, a LERP or a LARP or one of those things. And they go in after the Green Beret and make sure everything's dead. Like every rat, every mouse, they burn the village down. They're the ones that used to throw the cards. Those dudes that would throw the cards and the dead bodies. And dog, that's when I fed, I found the fucking ally. But I had like three guys like that around me that lived in the hills of Colorado there that you didn't know. They were just putting to, they were just walking around. These guys were killers, bro. Boulder's a weird place. Big drugs. You hit the nail on the head there. You got a kilo of blow there, you get rid of it in two hours. Two hours. <laughs> Those college kids are filthy fucking rich. And they get money to fucking spend on drugs, bro. Steroids go fast there. It was amazing. It was an education for me. and it, would, it taught me a different level of survival. Like what I was doing in New York didn't work in Colorado. I had to <coughs> switch it up to make it work. And I'm ashamed of that. Till today, I'm very ashamed of that. What are you going to do? Have you heard how it's changed? Man. Oh, I know. I talk to people from Boulder once a week. I did. A, I remember um, I did a show in um, Aspen with David Brenner. David Brenner picked up like some comedian that he thought were funny, so he picked me, this Asian comedian, um, Kevin Shea and Miguel, what's his name, Miguel uh, from Miguel Washington from Houston. I never been to Aspen, you know, and I was like surprised to work with a legend. But after the show, bro, I went to this bar, and I said, and I started drinking. That's when I messed up. I started drinking, and right away, bro, like I just turned, I turned to the right. Like you know, like I mean, like you know, I was drunk, bro. And I get when I get drunk, I, I feel like I'm gonna find coke fast, like with magical powers. So I said, I told myself when I turn to the right, this guy right here is gonna have coke. And I turned around, and there was a Mexican dude, like a, some cook who just came out of work. And I started talking to him in Spanish, and that fool had a whole bag, bro, of coke. And I took that fool to my apartment, well, to my hotel room, <laughs> and um. For a long time, we were partying, bro, right? We were fucking partying, and and I had a nice room, bro, like a real nice room. Like, it was like a nice room. It was a cabin, basically. Like, I could walk down and open a refrigerator and take stuff out if I wanted. Well, I can't do that, but I did. Right. I went downstairs, and I took. I was taking wine bottles out. And Anyways, I'll make long story short, this guy, man... He thought that Kevin Shea and his girlfriend were going to come back and party. He thought there was going to be a chick there, bro. So then I told him there ain't no chick, right? So then this fool thought that, I don't know, man, but he was looking at me, bro, like with maybe <laughs> maybe you could be the chick, eh? Oh, no. 
But it got weird, bro. And then I said, fuck. But then I don't want, but then again, bro, I didn't want that food to leave, bro, because I had no more Coke. And I was leaving the next day in the morning. I was just going to ask, is it weird to, to party with, with just a guy? Hell no, bro. You know, bro, sometimes you got to dance with the devil, bro. So, you know what I did, bro? I, I got, I took out $100 and I cut it in half and I gave it to him, bro. If you stay here another hour, bro, I'll give you the other half. <laughs> <laughs> But, but it was good coke and aspen, by the way. That was a, that, I was with Pat Buckles, bro. That was a, a very crazy time, too, man. <laughs> that was I walked him to Aspen a kid, Felipe. I walked him to Aspen a nineteen-year-old kid. How old was like, you? Had, you had a bunch of warrants, or you had you knew you had friends? No, and, at and, that time I just didn't want to live in jail. Like I knew just new lifestyle. I, yeah, I just wanted to do something different. And I, and at that time I had friends in Aspen. They weren't like people, good friends, but they were acquaintances from North Bergen. And there were one strong family. There was one family that, that was well-known. It was two of those boys. And it was weird because I didn't get along with one of the other brothers. But I got along with two of the brothers. One of the brothers that was my brother now is dead. And the other guy lives in San Diego. He don't talk to me. But I went out there with them and a guy named Duffy. And there was four dudes who lived in the house. And the other guy was a karate expert from California. He was the garbage man. And he was really a garbage man in real life. And half the guys that came out from Jersey were all garbage men. When I got there, I couldn't be a garbage man because karate man had come back to California for something. So I lived in his room. It was just a fucked up summer that summer. You sold cars there or what? No. I, uh... The first couple months, I did construction outside, like asphalt and like just regular construction. So, Rodrigo did a, a a video with you, man, with your boys. He goes, "Boulder is where I began." Yeah, no, no, it's all where it all began. You no, no, no. But I was in, I was Rodrigo. in Aspen then. I was in Aspen then. And I was, I was just, thinking, I was thinking, digging you, trenches. You were thinking trenches. So I would quit a job every Friday and get a new one on Mondays. You know. I used to go through that like I, my, my dad hooked me up to a cool job, but a cool job for him. But I was working twelve hours a day, so then I started counting the hours. And I said, "Man, in a week, it's gonna it's gonna feel like I work two weeks." So payday came, bro. Disappeared, bro. Yeah, no, that's it. And I took a lot of shit. It was like a produce factory, bro. I was working joy from man. Lee, you don't understand when you get a chick pregnant in high school. Oh no, the world comes down on you, bro. When you get what? When you get a girl pregnant in high school, the world comes down on you, bro. Everybody wants you to make changes. So my dad got me a job in on Anderson Street, right there in downtown LA, where, where all the produce factories are at. And I was loading and unloading produce inside trucks from 11 o'clock at night. No, from midnight to 11.30 in the morning. And nothing but paisas, bro. Like illegal How much were you making? Do you remember, bro? Nothing or money? it was the, it was a little bit above the minimum wage. Minimum wage was three thirty five. I was getting four seventy. How fucking scary is that? You're right. We never talked about that. Knocking somebody up in fucking high school. High school, bro. I like, don't want to knock anybody up now. now. How old is this child now? Oh my God. This fool is like um. I was thinking he's in his 20s, bro. Like 20. He's marching Rizzo's age. 27, 28. You talk to him? Man, we have, um, nah. It's a cool I send the I send him presents every Christmas. He don't call back? No, he don't call back. 
we 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 met each other like in um right after last comic standing. Okay, so you knock her up in high school. Where'd she go? Did you move in with her and try to make it work? No, uh, we moved into we um it was we moved in together, and we were living together in the housing projects in high school. No, she was a, I was like um we were out of high school. She was still in high school. I was out of high school. Now we got pregnant while we were both in high school, but she had the baby while she was in high school, and I was like, I I, I was gonna repeat twelfth grade, but I didn't want to go back to school. So you quit. I quit. Like I did. We quit. Yeah, fuck that, man. I don't want to go back. What? Graduate at 20? Fuck that. I'm fucking 19 already in high school. <laughs> it's bad enough. Yeah, so, man, I remember, um, like, she still had to finish high school, right? Her mom said, you know, she's pregnant, and um, she's underage. She's 17, and she went to a school, Lee, you know? Where nothing but loser chicks go to, like, like if you're a chick who got who got pregnant, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm gonna say loser, but most of these girls were pregnant, like thirteen year old, twelve year olds, fourteen year old girl pregnant. This was like a pregnant high school, bro. That's terrible. And every time I went there to pick her, and then like I would go pick her up all the time in stolen cars or or cars what? that didn't belong to me. How do you get? How do you get those? Well, um. In my neighborhood, like a cr- uh, a person who want to buy crack will come, you know, with no money, and he has no money. Right. But so he has a car. We'll, we'll, yeah. So we'll give him like two twenty forty dollars worth of crack to borrow his car for like four hours, <laughs> and then we will go to the beach, and some of my friends would do those use the same car to do a commit a crime. You know. How long did you stay with this girl, my brother? Oh man, Until- I stood with her. F- from, wow, from the, the moment she got pregnant to my, wow, two years? Because we had the first kid, and I was like in 1987, 88, 89, I don't remember, 90. And um, right away, we had another one, right away, like a, a, a year and a half later, we had another kid, oh. a girl. And... Earthquake came through, bro, and shattered the projects. Actually, it made the project look the same, but it was like the it was like a big old earthquake, and we're, everybody was living it basically in the streets in the in the housing projects. Like, everybody was just scared to sleep inside the projects, dude. If you would if you if you would have came to my neighborhood when the when I don't, I don't know I don't know for the Northwest earthquake or the Whittier Narrow earthquake. But it was like a big earthquake. Our house, our neighborhood looked like like um, like a third world country, bro. Like city of God. It was just blankets and tents all over the neighborhood because nobody wanted to go inside and get crushed by a fucking building. So that's terrifying, and especially with two kids. So uh, her mom dies, and then she. I found out that she's cheated on me for, for a year and a half with a different guy, like. Cheating on me, you know, like really fucking cheating on me. That's not nice. I know, man, and so I'm crushed, bro. You know, you know, and then what do you do, man? You know, you beat her ass now. <laughs> you know, you think about it, bro. At the same time, bro, that this is happening, you know, um, I see one of my friends get shot and killed at the same time, and I have to go be a, a fucking um. I have to. Paul Bear? No, man. 
I was trying to get away from all that stuff, you know, but but they all of us got picked up and we had to go testify in a murder. Jesus. And um and I remember I didn't want to I didn't want to go, man, because you know, I didn't want to get involved. Right. But I remember like I had to sit there and watch Who's what happened was we were all in the same this this park, bro, and we were all hanging out and at the, and then these guys started chasing us. And I ran the opposite way. That's what I would do. And then um, at the same time that we were running from the, these guys were running from the guys, another our friend was coming at us. Okay. He didn't know what was going on. So we passed him. And that fool takes off, bro. So that fool gets killed right y- there. Your friend? Yeah. Oh, how old was he? 14. And how you were 14 too? No, I was like 19. Oh, Jesus. I was 18, 19. Oh, okay, right. Yeah. I, you know, I, I was a loser, bro. What the fuck am I doing hanging out with 14 year olds, bro? So, you know. But he was your friend. I, and um, we were hanging out at the park. These kids were ditching the school. I was just the old school hanging out, bro. And we had to go to court, man. But this was the craziest shit ever, bro. Like, I'm doing a show in Ontario Improv. And this woman comes up to me, like, laughing, drunk as hell. Having a good time. She grabbed my hand like this. He goes, my brother, he he, he goes, oh, you look familiar. My brother, um, he's in prison, right? Okay. And then this this Asian chick gives me her card, bro. So oh, shit. the guy that, that, that um, supposedly, who, who killed my friend, he's trying to come out of prison now. Motherfucker. On a, on a fucking... Um, Parole? I didn't know all this, bro, but it all just came to me right now when we're talking about this, right? I'm like, fuck, eh? How long ago was the Ontario incident? When did they Oh, that was like s- now, five years so ago. So the guy that killed your friend did like 20 years? He's up to 25. Jeez. The fucking mistakes we could have made, Felipe. This couldn't have ended up like this, you know? I know, man. Every day you got to give thanks to somebody. I know. I, I thank God about that because when I think about it sometimes, you know, um, we were all together and then I decided, you know, for some, you know, you know, people say that, um, you know, somebody looking out for me. My, my mom was probably praying, bro, you know, at the same time or my grandmother, Lucia Soto with her big old fucking medallion. You know, and her big tubes, yeah, you know, go. She to have the fucking big old earrings. I said, Joey. You know, I said, um, you know, I said, you know what? Hey, man, I'm gonna cross the bridge, and I'm gonna see if they if I see those guys coming over here, I'll let you guys know. This thing is fucking warmer than death. This bong. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I had to take Joe it. From Dia, was over there making love to it. He looks like he, he looks like he's doing his Robert De Niro impression. Oh my god! Poor, poor, <laughs> poor, poor, poor fucking. Rodrigo. That's Dalia Yellow, bro. Oh my god! <sighs> you know, Felipe. It's crazy though, man. I decided to go over the bridge, so when I crossed the Hollenbeck Park Bridge to go to the other side, as soon as I turned around. That's when everybody was running and getting shot up. Jesus. And I remember my friend um, Ruben. I never forget him, man. I fool picked that fool up, bro, and carried him. Crazy, man. Was it like? Was that like a moment that like made you think about changing some things? Or fuck no, bro. Fuck you, no. It's so weird. Fuck no, no bro. No. You feel invincible after that. Eh? I mean, I lived. No, but you, it's fucked up because um, the guy who got killed. Had a, his brother was their twins, dog, 
they're twins. So oh, when we were all getting fucked up, you know, you know, you know, being sad because he passed away. I remember I kept looking at him, looking at himself in the mirror and getting sadder. Especially for twins, that's supposed to be like a special thing. Yeah, man. And um, crazy, man. and I'm, and it's funny because I saw Sarah Silverman's show on on I think it's Netflix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she has Father, Father Great Boyle. Boyle. That's why you put. Him and on. when I saw and one of the books talks about that murder, but um, but I'm I'm just thankful, man, that um Father Greg Boyle and I I see him <coughs> on that show and um, I'm thankful you call me every week. And check up, see what's up, cocksucker. Do you want to explain what that is? Because like I, I, I'd seen the what? salsa, but I, I had no idea who Father Greg Boyle was. Like, do you want to explain who he is? Oh, Father Greg Boyle, man, he's a, a Jesuit priest, a Catholic from my church, Dolores Mission, and um, he started a, a a program called Homeboy Industry, and they they um, they help um, ex cons and people who are you know in gangs find decent jobs. And they help them um, skills, and they have um, tattoo removal, and they don't just take Mexican gangsters too, man. <laughs> There's a lot of neo-Nazi lowriders, bro, with neo-Nazi tattoos, like swastikas on their neck, and they get them removed there for free. Nice. And I've been donating for, to them since I won Let's Come and Standing. Oh uh, yeah, because you were part of the. Were you part of the group? Yeah. Um, what happened was one time, man. I was like me. I love Terminator, man. Terminator, Terminator One, Terminator Two. Oh yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger. So I, I'm, I'm in. Um, I used to drink a lot. I used to drink those little. Um, those you know, remember, remember those little? I don't know. You remember those little wine coolers? But they're not wine coolers. They had like ice, Long Island iced tea. Some of them were pineapple. Right, the pre-made. Yeah, horrible. I saw you drinking those. Things. <laughs> Fucking terrible. <laughs> Pre-made cocktail. That's what I picked, I picked you up in the afternoon oh and I gave God. you $200 to hang out for me for an hour. <laughs> oh my God. He used to drink the pre- I, Those uh, things give you heartburn from the fucking jump. Like whatever the mixer is in there. Yeah. I used to drink those things when in deep situations like late night when it didn't matter no more. But to start the day, that's a complete... Remember they even had the pre-made Bloody Marys? Yes. The, the whole thing? Pre-made muscle Bro, I know motherfuckers who used to drink those and throw two lemons or a lime in them and a piece of celery and tip-top Magoo dog. They even put more vodka in it. I would be coked out, man. Like that, that when you saw me that moment, that time, I saw myself, you know what, man? Leave my fruits. Give me two pina coladas and some ice. And I put it all inside of a Coke cup. Do you ever think of and I and Felipe, you and I both know that we hate those type of people that, you know, oh no, because I did this and I did that, bro. I was a loser, and it's such a fun thing to tell people that you were a loser instead of telling people all these grandiose, stupid stories that you really weren't. But it's amazing. Like I'm not gonna tell you I got shot at all the time. And I'm I'm so fortunate. That, that's bullshit. But there's a part of me that's really fortunate. Just even doing the drugs and the places you had to go to to get drugs and the people you bought. Like, you used to bring people home. I would never bring nobody home. You want to sell it to me or not? Either or. I got cash. The last person I wanted to bring to my house was a fucking man. You know what I'm saying? And some women are just fucking, you got to watch them too because they'll rob you quicker than a fucking dude, you know? It's just such a different lifestyle. 
Like this year, I woke up, I went to bed at 10 o'clock on New Year's, and the next morning I woke up for late for an hour, I sat at that desk watching my wife and baby sleep, thinking, what the fuck did I used to do on New Year's Eve? I used to be right in the heart of it, you know? Like, right in the heart of it. You always in the heart of it, you know? How fucking lucky. How fucking lucky, Felipe. We could have died doing coke. We could have died smoking crack, you know? There's got to be something you have to give back at one point. You have to go, there has to be somebody who watched over me. I just cannot be this lucky, you know what I'm saying? Like... Just to stop snorting coke. You knew the animal I was, Felipe. You knew the animal I was. And I get so many emails from people. And now that we have the church page, people hit you all the time, man. They're trying to get clean. And I try to tell, you know, it's easy. It's easier than what it seems, man. You know, like it really is. It's just this little bump. And you don't see yourself ever being clean, ever having a normal life like people, because we feel it. You and I have never felt like we've been normal. We've always been the outsiders. I mean, you know, you, you won last comic standing, and they had to sell you especially HBO because Netflix didn't want it. Really? You ever look at Netflix, what they got, and they didn't want you? You and I have always been like the dirty dogs of comedy. Like, they always took us last. You last. know what I'm saying? So everything, it's like I was telling Lee or somebody the other day, the longest yard was on and it was one of those days I was home, my wife was home, and I watched it for like three minutes. And my wife said something to me. She goes, how did you feel while you were shooting that? I go, you know how I felt, to be honest with you? I made my fucking point. I made my point. I tried to tell you motherfuckers, but you don't want to listen to me. You wanted to talk about the other guy. Here I am. And once I got, and I told Lee this on the podcast the other day. I was okay until I booked the longest yard. Then they started really hating me. Once That's when I had to kiss the Indian. Yeah. Once you kiss, <laughs> once I booked the longest yard, they really started hating me. Like, they didn't hate me enough. Now they really started hating me because now I spit in their fucking face. So you and you and I have always been those guys. You know what I'm saying? Like, for you to pull off last comic standing, that was 22 ass fuckings. <laughs> Nobody picked you. They had, they had their fucking favorites and shit and who they wanted and who was witty. But sometimes it don't work like that for guys like us. Sometimes the street's got your back. Sometimes the street has your back. It really does. <laughs> They it do, really man. It really fucking does. They remember something you did when you helped somebody. Because I did so many shitty things. Joey, I started on by selling that 25 years, 20 years ago. You ever get people like that? Yeah. Those are the people that you, you were like, wonder, wow, you were there, bro. There's some guy that's, that came to my show in San Jose and said, I saw you at the Modesto. Was Joey Coco? What about the fucking guy that just showed up to San uh, Sacramento? Louis old, Bland, right? Louis Bland, Louis the old Bland. football coach. How many gigs did he give us back in the early fucking two thousands? That guy, when we needed every dime of that, like every fucking dime was necessary. Like you had to go home with every fucking dime because it was the, cash. The bills wouldn't get paid. Yeah, man. So they brother, they if you're looking to fucking change your life, people at home. They will pay us cash, and then I'll hit home where y'all want to go to strip bars. Y'all want to go to after hours. Then Joe's the other. No, man. Take us to 7-Eleven, then take us home. Take us to 7-Eleven, take us home. <laughs> that hasn't changed. You want to take us to a party to rob us. I know the fucking deal. I remember Joe Deer could you're gonna, eat, man. You're going to call your fucking homies and tell them that we're here with cash in our pockets. Because I remember motherfuckers with 800 in their pocket. They were going down. <laughs> I was getting 200 of that one way or another before they left this house. One way or another. I was either going to fucking rob them or sell them coke and take 200. But somewhere or another, 
I was getting two hundred of that cash in my pocket. Hell yeah, bro! Something, Even if it was just a taste. Something you gotta get paid before Melly Martinez, bro. That she gonna go get. Uh, she gonna go. She gotta go get Carbajal. <laughs> we used to eat Felipe. That's those fucking Mexican gigs. Those Texan gigs. Like I don't even know. Like somebody just hit me up and asked me if I wanted to go to McLaren. And I told McAllen? Him, McAllen. I said, they hit me up too late, man. I already got the plane ticket. It's four hours from Austin, right? <coughs> I would have gone down there. I would have flown into McAllen first because I haven't been down in a while. Just to get two of those tacos would fucking make that me good happy. food there, they man. They got good food down there. But uh, how, long you been, how long have you been doing comedy for now? I would say 20 years, 21. 21. Yeah, 96, my first TV credit. Where, what, where we're in 2007, about <coughs> 22 now. So when when was the first time you got on stage, little brother? Oh, man. I got up on stage at the Natural Fudge and on Fountain Avenue. And Alonzo Bowden was there. Brian Holtzman was there. Jamie Kennedy and the Mooney Twins and Cynthia Levine, Levin. And... um. That was like, that was 1995, 94, late 94. And I, was, I didn't know, I was going up every week. Like, bro, I came out of rehab and wanted to be a comedian, but I didn't know how. Like, there was no computers, there was no social media. So I went to the Los Angeles Public Library <coughs> and I asked the librarian, hey, can you help me out here, man? I'm trying to find the co- books on comedy writing. So I would just sit there, bro, reading these damn books. Steve Allen, Gene Perrette. Gene Perrette. You know what's up. Fuck yeah. <laughs> you know, people don't know, bro. Judy Carter. Gene Perrette. Gene Perrette like, would break it down in levels. Gene Perrette would break it down in levels for you. And he you were running for the Tonight Show. I had the workshop. And for Bob Hope. Yeah. And Bob Hope. Bob. You know what's up. Come on, though. He would I, go on the road with Bob Hope. I read all of Gene Perrette's books when I started. The, the genius, workshop, huh? The work, the other one. It never did nothing for me. 25 years later, never. I'm still a shitty writer. And I did I did all the exercises. I could look you in the eyes and tell you I did every one of those. I believe Gene Perret. I still do. Gene Perret will do. tell he you. He just never got to me, Gene Perret, but I still do. Gene Perret will tell you in that book. Um, okay. So, yo. So there was one time I, I, I the book. You read See what book. books are out, Lee. Can you enter? Can you Google Gene Perret books? I had to. Go right I had for three it. of them. Which oh, ones right. did you have? I had the one that were. I had one where I read them. Yeah, I had the one where. Um, Comedy writing with Gene Perret. I think it was comedy writing one hundred and one. I think I don't know. I'm and um, sure. it talks about him touring with Carson and some other comedians. You know, Jack Parr. Jack Parr. That's yeah, right. and that's um, right. he said that um, so he will break it down like this. So I, I gotta, I had to do 10, 25 jokes about golf for Steve Allen. So what he would do like, he'll put like okay golf on one section, and then on one section he'll write. You're right. He'll write down all the equipment I had to do with golf. On the next section, see all this, all this hard work? He'll write down things that people say during golf. Four or five. Then over here, he will write um, golf courses he's heard, you know, or then he'll write funny things he's heard golf players say. So that's just basically helping you, like, come up with ideas, this whole. But it's a lot of work. It's a lot of Organizing work. Organizing your Organizing. Job. So, yeah, he has 12 books on Amazon. But if you One t- of the books. But All right, he has, uh, let's Started. For the young comedy writers, this is the shit I'm this talking about. This is the about. shit, man. See, this is how I know if you did your fucking homework or not. Because in the beginning, if you fall in love with something, you will read every, every fucking line of everything. And I was turned on by Gene Perret. Judy Carter was first. 
Then it was Gene Perret. And yeah. I really bought into Gene Perret. Even though I suck, guys, I'm not going to lie to you. There was another book, too. It was a yellow book. It was called How to Write Funny, Be Funny, and Make Funny. I never read that. And one. How to Be Funny. And this one will break down. No, How to Write Funny, Be Funny, and Make Money Out of Being Funny. And that book will teach you how to, like, you got to go through Jay Perret's, Wait. first of all, first to get to know the other book. And then, um, and then that book will tell you like all the different styles, like Stephen Wright, he's the um, one-liner, whatever, you know. And then um, Ronnie Dangerfield, this side, you know, Bobcat Goldwait. And then there was like little jokes about all these comedians in the book, Jay Leno's jokes, uh, Margaret Show, bro. You know, a lot of older fools there, Robert Schimmel. Like they would, he would give you a joke of theirs and then write like something about it. Yeah, a joke at the yeah, bottom. Yeah, I remember that book and he also. Had, he had like pitch and he had like, he would break down a joke almost like geometry with a little line, okay, um, set up, the paw, and then the punchline. Yeah. Pretty fucking interesting shit. I read that stuff. I used to get coked up and do the exercises at night, like till five in the morning. Like I would work five hours on that. On Tuesday nights, when I was into comedy maybe two years, my friend was a baker. His name was Joe Koch. He ended up buying that joint in Mississippi in Starkville. And he would bake all night, and I would sit with him and do Gene Perrette 101 books all fucking night. I would sit there, and he would give me all the things to sample. I got to like 400 fucking pounds. What other books does he have? He starts off with the uh, comedy writing self-talent workbook. Has a hundred practical writing skills to develop your comedy writing. Uh, the new comedy writing step by step. It's been revised. Yeah, and updated. Been, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, comedy writing self taught. The professional skill building course in writing stand up sketch and situation. What year? Comedy. What year were these books written? Uh, the uh, new comedy writing step by step is oh seven. Oh seven. I think it could be when these were No, they were re-revised. Right. Because I was getting his shit in 92. Me too. I was reading his shit. I was yeah, doing the, workshops the, in 93. The comedy writing workbook is 94. Yeah. And remember, like, and then, I, well, I, I got into all this, and then I, I would start renting cassettes, you know, out of the library, like Lenny Bruce, like actual VHSs, and I would just start reading and shit, all nerd style, man. And um, I, well, I, I somebody I went to the Alley Weekly, and that's how I found the Natural Fudge. And but where was the Natural Fudge? It was on Fountain Avenue. Now it's a they would have punk rock music, and then a com- comedian where the next punk rock band performed. And this guy with name was Johnny Roberts, and he had a local access show Monday nights where he would put up the comedy show on local access. But I didn't know what local access was. So the first day I go up there, man, and I see the Mooney twins, and I said, "Man, what are these guys? What are these guys? Amish, you know?" And everybody laughed, but um, I had no jokes. But then the guy liked me, right, Johnny? Because they were like, they were like, the, the the crowd liked me. He goes, "Hey, son, you're pretty funny. Come back next week. We're having a live taping for my cable show." And I thought, "Fuck, okay, cable show, bro." So. I was like, fuck it, because I didn't have a car back then. So I, I went through with my homie, um, Rodney Enos. He was a Native American and um, from the Pima Papago tribe. Him and I used to get drunk a lot and they used to call us young drunks or dancing with wolves because we used to get fucked up, bro. 
Let me tell you, bro. These motherfuckers, they were Native American. Ronald, Risky Biz, Alfred, fucking um, Nelson, bro. They were all Native American, bro. We're about like a year apart, and we used to get fucked up. Anyway, so I was sober, bro, and came out of rehab, so I took Rodney with me. We went there on the bus. Let me tell you, bro, how new I was to comedy. All I know was 80s comedy, bro. Like Bobby Collins, bro. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, people like that, you know, Tom Rose, you know. I know, I know, um, um, you know. When these, we got into comedy. These 80s comedy. There was a lot more TV shows. A lot of TV shows, bro. Geared toward comics. Like, you really got. Like, I remember Felicia Michaels. Felicia Michaels. From TV. Like, I remember watching, being an the open mic. comedy, him too. I remember Bobby on HBO. I remember the chick on HBO, Wendy Liebman that does The Room Now. But I wanted to point something out to you real quick, not to interrupt you, Lee. Yes. You know the people that you go now and you see at the fourth wall? Yeah. Every night. As minute as this sounds, three of those people are going to be fucking Louis C.K. someday. Yeah. They don't know it. Did you hear the lineup that he told you who was there the first time he got on stage? That's you pretty crazy that he it's, remembers. It's such a fucking honor. Like, I can look at Felipe and go, Felipe, we've been doing comedy together. Yes. For 20 years. 20 I mean, years. we came here, I was in my 30s, and we did comedy together. That's a certain bond. Who walked into the laugh? And I'm not talking about, he. I've known <laughs> him as a comic. No, I'm talking about it. That I used to do 25 shows a year with Felipe. We knew the insides and outs. <laughs> we got booked together. We got booked together. I mean, it's been such a beautiful fucking journey as a comic because he's like, you know, he's like the Ralphie click in my heart. Like, he's part of that Ralphie Ari click in my heart. Like, that, 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 this, we've been together. Not that he's been a comedian for 20 years, together. That's a very weird thing. When you go with somebody and well, this poor bastard, look at him. He's dressed like one of the dragons of what's the, what's the Mexican band that sings about El Chapo? Los Lobos. El Lobo. Look at him. All he needs is the insignia of the wolf on his jacket. That's Steven Seagal, man. But it's weird how sitting here with you and what we do when we go to the fourth wall, when I look at those guys on stage and they're not getting laughs, let me tell you something. Three of those 20 kids are going to be Louis C.K. in 10 years. They don't know it. It's a lottery ticket. That's all. I mean, Cynthia Levin, Alonzo Bowden, the Mooney Twins, they were all there. Jamie Kennedy. Jamie Kennedy, you know, that went on to do fucking movies. Jamie Kennedy was living in his car, I think. I just, he, wasn't, he didn't have enough to ever eat. Are you listening to this at home? You know, when like he was, he was, he was, um, he didn't know where his career was going to take him. Are man. you listening to this, people? I mean, he was struck. He was like basically doing like, like, um, he he didn't have enough real grilled cheese. He was living in his car. He had to park it and hide it right there by salt by the by the fucking uh, Wells Fargo right there by the Laugh Factory. You know, just to let you know at home, nobody strolls into this. No man, nobody walks into. Nobody this. handed you shit. I'm telling you that nobody I, handed Jamie shit, man. I'm telling you that's 2018. And <clears throat> I've been doing comedy next to this guy since he was a kid since 97. I want you to do the math in your head. This has not been like somebody just hands you something and go, oh, you're going to get a special on CISO, HBO. You know, I got this kid, Felipe. I didn't want to talk about this on the show, but I have to talk about this because it fucking pisses me the fuck off. 
I got a kid that about two years ago, he started hitting me up from my hometown. Hey, how you doing? Blah, 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 blah. We know the same people. But I looked at him. He's fucking 30 years younger than me. Damn. But after about six months of going back and forth, it started with the, do you mind if I tape your set? And I'm like, this is my first time at Gotham. They have a camera. You know what I'm saying? They have a camera. They tape the fucking, they tape a show on Axis fucking cable on there. If I want to tape, I get it from him. I didn't, I just don't want a guy in the back with a stand. The place is sold out. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I just don't want it. But I explained to him nicely. If I want to tape, all I got to do is tell him to take the tape. And <clears throat> Okay, that's that. Number two, fucking uh, about a month later, he hits me up. He doesn't know what he wants to do. I fucking, you know me, bro. I take an hour out of my fucking day and write him an extended plan. This is what you need to do. Ain't nobody going to. Did you just hear what I told you guys? When I moved to Boulder, I knew nobody. 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 It's not like somebody says, oh, go and see Ra on the mall. This is me. You ever go into a town and you, and I know Felipe's done this. You ever go to a town, Felipe, and you're walking and you have no drugs and you're jonesing. And you're basically buying drugs by eye contact. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what that's like, Lisa? I no. been, man. No, you don't, Lee. It's a different fucking world. When you have to go, like, like you come here. I'm in Studio City. What are we going to do? Dog, when do I get drunk? So you go to Marie T, you get a coffee, and you might see a guy with a tattoo of a devil or something. <laughs> and you go up to him and say, listen, I don't mind bothering you. I just moved here from Kentucky, and I fucking, I, I'm jonesing for weed. This is way before marijuana in stores. When you got to go up to somebody and say, I'm looking for, you know. What if there were a cop? You have to fucking take a chance. You know what a cop looks like. You're a street person. A cop always has his shirt nicely tucked in. Yeah, you know what a cop looks like. So you just go up to him and go, listen, man, I just moved to... That's why you don't go up to him and ask him for heroin, knucklehead. You start go up slow. to him and you start off slow with a little reefer. And then he'll send you, he'll go, bro, I don't smoke weed, I'm sorry. But my brother says if you go down to the train station over in North Hollywood, and I'm just saying this, people. You could get weed down there. So now you ask people where the North Hollywood train station is, and you walk over there. And you walk and get a hot dog because you're not an asshole. You know, you're not a fucking junkie. You're going to do it the right way. It's like when I go to the weed store and I see a kid parked in front of the weed store. I want to smack him. Don't park in front of the weed store. This is a residential neighborhood. They're going to know. Park down the corner. You can't be that stupid. Who the fuck raised you? You don't yeah. park. You don't go to the thing and just look around. Hey, you got drugs? Have your friends sitting. You got a hot dog and you mingle and you bump into street people. Hey man, can I get you a hot dog? And right away, hey, come here. I'll get you two hot dogs. Who's selling the weed around here? And they'll tell you right there. They go, bro, there's no weed, but that guy's got fucking Valium and that guy's got heroin. Boom, <laughs> boom. That's how easy it is. That's how you got to go into the. Yelp. There's no Yelp. Yeah, there's no Yelp for drug dealing when you just get to a town. So that it pissed me off that this kid hits me. And you know when somebody hits you, Philippe, you ever have those people that come up to you and they want something, but they just don't tell you. It's yeah. always like I brought you this, and you're like, I don't need that. Like, just tell me what the fuck it is that you want. <clears throat> so after like a year, I go, What's the fuck? What's the problem, dog? Oh, he says to me, I really want to be famous. What? Yeah, and I really want to get out of here. You know, if you could just help. No, I can't. I don't know nobody. What Cold the fuck do I know? Co-sign for me. Then he keeps hitting me like with little tags and shit. How do you I make someone famous? I don't know. If, you know, there's two types of people. Like when I go to Burke Kreischer's house, he invites me over for his daughter's thing or something. I go over there. And uh, Felipe, I want you to know I appreciate this shit. Like I, 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 when I go over there, there's two types of people. There's people that like people at their house. And there's people that don't like people at the house. I'm one of those motherfuckers. 
I don't want anybody in my house. You know what I'm saying? If you come over, I want you to act like a civilized person. Don't be yelling and screaming. You know, I don't want nobody. You don't, you don't want nobody in your house. For I got an office at my house. I can do the podcast in my house and save seven hundred. But you know why I don't want that? I don't want nobody in my house. I don't want nobody in my house. Leave my fucking house alone. You know what I'm saying? You need fifty for a meal or something. I'll give it to you, but don't come to my fucking house. Don't, don't be don't, knocking this. Yeah, don't be knocking. I'll let you know when it's time to come over my fucking house. I'll let you know. I'm one of those dudes. You know what I'm saying? He called it like about a month ago. He started with that shit. Like if we could just get some help, and I finally had to shut him down. I said, "Listen, there's no help, bro. You're a young guy. Go steal it. I just need help to get out of here. What do you think I did to get out of New Jersey? You think I just worked? No, I did what you did. I worked selling, doing fruit for two nights, and I said, "This is fucking slave labor." And I went and borrowed money from a loan shark, and I left. And I owed him fucking a thousand dollars. Man, who gives a fuck? That's how you make a move. So you make sure you don't come back. I was in the Midwest. You put yourself in a position so you I- make sure you don't come back. Crazy, man. I was in the Midwest, and I hung out with him. some comics, you know, like in the Midwest. And then later on, man, the, this comic I just met goes, hey, man, I'm going to be coming to L.A., man. I could crash at your house. Right. And I'm like, hell no. <laughs> at least I'm telling you the truth. Hell no. I got a daughter. I told him, hell no. I got no. a wife. I have I a, a wife. Daughter, no I, I have a son. Anymore, you can't man. come over. My house is not a green room. You come over, Lee. Felipe come over. Or you come over. I don't know these people. So, and I finally had to send him an email going, first off, bro, before you give me any attitude, I don't know you. Yeah. I don't know you. I what don't the know fuck him. do you want from me? I don't know you. You know, I, how many, Felipe, how many people con you here? Like, tell these, you know, I was telling about a month ago, Lee said that he spoke to some guy about a job and the guy wanted to hire Lee to sell content to put on a website. And I go, Lee, you don't want to do that. And Lee goes, why not? And I go, because Lee, every comic that's a friend of mine has already been terrorized. Stop the last thing shirts. we want to do... With a million great ideas. With a million great ideas. And to give up our content. Because guess what? At the end of the day, we don't get paid. That's Show bullshit. me your emails. That's bullshit. That we, nobody gets a dime. Yeah, I want to get all the content. Like if you could give us all your... And you give them videos. And, and there's no money. Guess who's swallowing the YouTube? They are. All these people, the Laugh Factory just hit me about three months ago. Hi, we want to put your video up. No, because for what? I don't get nothing. Right. You tell me I'm going to get something. I don't get nothing. I went to Laugh Boston. I did that comedy. The, 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 the people taped my set. And can we put it on our website? We'll pay you a percentage. I went about a year ago. I had a million things. I don't get nothing. So nobody wants to hear nothing. Don't come to us with no scams. So I told them. I said, don't go to these comics with scams. They're not going to talk to you. And they're going to turn their back. We got scammed with the CD that they sold the, to the Army. And the DVD. And the DVD. You we already got scammed. It's funny. Millions we've been scammed. Joe Diaz, they paid us, man. I'm going to tell you, man. They 1500 paid, They paid us in cash and check. And and then when when Joe Diaz told that guy, all right, man. When Joe Diaz got the money and the check, he told that guy in his face, see you never again. Because <laughs> yeah, you know, man, they're never going to come back. Huh? They're never going to come back. And that's... That, was aired everywhere, bro. That tape that was that we went did that viral. before nine eleven. We did that before nine eleven, and what the people did was there's a commissary over in, in Iraq or Iran or wherever they went, and that was the number run by one, Filipinos. That was my number. That was the number one video that they were selling because I was seeing soldiers on the street, and they would come up to me and go, "Bro, China, you made my fucking stay so much easier with that tape." 
And I remember I got the longest yard, and I was so pissed. I took money from the longest yard and hired an attorney. I was telling Lee the other day that there was a time I didn't have a very good relationship with the Ice House. Remember, remember, remember we, we, we cornered Bob Fisher at the mall one time? There you go. There you go, Lee. I'm with you. I don't fuck around, man. You owe us money. If I give you yeah, 300 well, to get I, me I don't out. know how you and I were at the mall and we saw Bob Fisher. Then we just walked out to him, Bob Fisher, whatever, to that fucking um, comedy picante money or whatever it was. His face got purple. He was like, I never got any of the money either. Got, yes, you did. Yes, you fucking did. You got money. Now, we want our fucking money. So for a long time, I didn't have a good relationship with the guys out. Because I kept telling them, next time I see you, I'm going to fucking strangle you. We're supposed <laughs> to get a dime, all of us, split a dime together. From each Yeah, I guess. And when I found out, but I found out by a guy in the Navy was, there was a guy that was burning that particular DVD with Joe Diaz, me and him, the devil, and Vic Dunlop. And I think, I don't know if it was Edwin, but he was he made a bunch of copies, and he was like selling them to the officers for five bucks. We got killed on that. But you know what? You make it up later on. If it's meant to be, it's meant to be. You don't cry over spilt milk. These guys were happy, though, but, man. No, you're never happy at first. But that's why I tell people. When they come to me with that stuff, now you know what? I love you, but I don't want no involvement. I don't want no involvement. And especially when it's a comic Ooh, that comes yeah. up to you, like somebody who's friends with a comic, and they come up to you with a scam, your blood pressure gets boiling. You're like, I see this coming already. I just like, don't like it. Like we're doing a, like the, the bowling alley comedian. Wasn't there the guy used to do the bowling alleys? And one time he recorded us. He was selling your DVD. Oh, yeah. Rick Martinez. Rick Martinez. I told Lee about him. Another one. Lee, he's the guy that told me how to show. Can I have a water? Please? You should sell DVDs. And I go, I don't have one. I have one. He goes, I taped you last time. You want a Heineken. Want a Heineken, dog, to straighten yeah, out? I'm sorry. I don't have an opener. We don't have an opener, though. You have to open it with your teeth. You know what I'm saying? A lighter. A lighter. Look at you. Old fucking school, huh? It's, it's Charles Bronson right here, bro. He's not fucking around. He's not fucking around. Look at him. He needs that beer bed. Let me give you some shout-outs real quick. Go I was for it, bro. I was going to put on your little vegan glasses. I like those fucking glasses. Yeah, but they're made of wood, bro. You got to eat the beer, man. My man, Tyler Benoit. Fucking family. Denford Berry Man. Cod Man. Daniel Wheatley. Sean Welsh. Arthur S. from My brother from Staten Island. Anthony Z. Bradley Yandel. Mimosa Poppy. And Canadian motherfucking Bronco, baby. I want to give you a little fucking some love in here, you know, mid-year to get you started on the right foot. And don't forget, next Thursday night, the 18th, I'm headed with the fucking Nazi killer. With my main man, the Nazi killer, Lee Syatt, into Austin, Texas. will be at Cap City. Friday's halfway gone. Saturday's gone. All you got is Friday early and Thursday. Have fun there. And the Charlotte Comedy Zone the following oh, Thursday, the 25th. I'll see you savages there, tip-top Magoo, ready to go, smoking reefer and fucking eating the best food in fucking Charlotte. And that's it, motherfuckers, you know what I'm saying? My man, Felipe, is going to be in New York City next weekend. What's the date? Um, I'm going to be there this Saturday at the- This Saturday. This Saturday. This Saturday. Yeah, you ain't fucking the date? around. This, January 13th. January 13th, the day the devil was buried at sea. Where are you going to be performing? I'm going to be at the, at the uh, PlayStation Theater, one show, 8 o'clock. We have a special host, Louis Guzman, bro. Okay. From Boogie Nights. Send them my love. Pachanga, I shot, bro. I shot the pilot for the Louis Guzman show. Did you know that? Yeah. I shot the pilot for that. Me and uh, I think Rudy. Yeah. Rudy Moreno and this other dude. We shot the pilot. I shot the pilot. Louis didn't like me. I let him know. I got into the fight with the fucking director because he kept me. It was a fucking god awful show. Yeah. 
It was god awful. It was god awful. What <laughs> other show? Let me tell you how bad it was. How bad was it? That my wife, who doesn't say a bad word about anybody, told me on the ride home, boy, boy, I don't think that show's gonna get picked up. I remember looking at it in shock at first and going, "You saw that too?" <laughs> it was god awful. It was written horribly. That was the first time I realized Fox doesn't have a fucking clue of what the fuck they're doing. You know, when you people, when I say little things and you people might get offended about a network or something, bitch, it's because I've been on that fucking network and I've walked around and I've been on a couple of their shows. And I got to tell you something, bro. I've been burnt more from Fox than anything. And those shows are fucking brutal. And every time you shoot for Fox, they put you further and further into the fucking dungeon. Watching my luck tomorrow, I'll have a fucking audition with Fox, and they'll say to me, I heard what you said on the fucking podcast, but it's true. My pilot got picked up by Fox. Your what? My pilot. Did it? Yeah, but I don't even, I don't know if I'm still involved, because I think I'm now um, Eva Longoria is attached with the same showrunners, and Dustin Ibarra and I. So we'll see what happens, man. Oh, well, good luck. Fox. Oh, I took that back from Fox, and then Fox is an extraordinary. But you're right about some networks, man, they'll, they'll, they'll go like, when they go, um, the head writer at, Latino, at a on an all Latino show might be a white guy, man. And you're like, he's from Detroit. I know Latinos, yeah, but but you know Midwestern Latinos. What you know about West Coast Chicanos? Well, that's what, what you know about. They think just Louis throwing in Guzman. throwing in a low rider and having the lead actor fall in love with a white chick is a good formula, but not everybody, else, not everybody else is gonna hook up with a white. See chick. See if you have it on YouTube, the Louis Guzman show. See if you have it on YouTube. This so, was, here's the problem, Felipe. We'll be there at that show on PlayStation this Theater this, this Saturday. This Saturday night, PlayStation Theater. Where's it located? It's located in Manhattan. Manhattan. There you go. You take it from fucking there. It's going to be Rodrigo Torres, Luis Guzman, myself, Toby Hicks, and Marcin Rizzo, bro. You're taking Marcin Hell yeah, bro. You've never the, been there. You're taking the whole fucking crew taking with you. Taking them, bro. Gabriel style. You're taking eight motherfuckers with you. I'm telling you, bro, man. Shit. You got to give back. I hear you. You gotta give the little the young comedian a little taste, bro, to give him hope. He's still booking commercials, Rizzo and shit. He's booking something, bro. Is he? I know he does like an after school program I'm where he not. teaches art. No, nah, there's nothing there. Yeah, I don't think so. And January um nineteen, I'm gonna be at the Primera Taza. I'm gonna have breakfast and um selling tickets to my show at the Novo Theater. March 23rd. That's a nice place, bro, the Novo. It is, bro. I got one night, March 23rd, and hopefully that'll do well, and March 24th also. But um, a lot of times, you know, people don't want to pay the surcharges, so at Primera Taza in Boyle Heights, I'm going to be there selling the actual ticket for the show at the right price. No taxes, well, the taxes already included, but no surcharges. So if you're going to pay $30 just for the ticket, it's not going to be 40 55 it's gonna be the exact price 30 bucks and i'll have my vinyl there i have i don't know you guys get to my vinyl no you didn't bring it with no. me. i saw it i saw it I'm talking, well it's in the mail okay i'm gonna I'm I'm i'll bring a prison it's in the car time. it's in the car i got a vinyl of my special um translate this so yeah Your special did well a lot of people it's got doing, to see it it was great yeah, you know what um a lot of people are coming up to me and say they liked it um i'm so very surprised that tom rhodes actually saw it him and his girlfriend so that was cool. Felipe, Nobody we, fucking saw it. We went. We you were very generous and invited um, Paul and I to your 
premiere. But I forgot to tell you, but least Lisa ate more vegan tacos than regular tacos at that party. I know he fell in love, bro. He didn't want me to tell you, bro. You weren't supposed to. They were delicious, huh? But they were delicious, bro. Vegan goat you had. Sacri- no. That's sacrilegious for this guy, right? Sac- sacrilegious, sacrilegious, it, bro. It doesn't matter. Vegan goat, bro. You loved it, bro. This I don't know if eats, I loved it. This guy eats it the worst good. food in the world, bro. Huh? If he tells you he likes something, it's oh bad. It's really bad, bro. What him and his girlfriend like, uh, it would blow your mind what they'd eat. And they look at each other and clap and smile when they're eating it. Clap. Some other people would look at that shit and go, I want my fucking money back. Damn, you like delis? You're Jewish, right? No, he don't like delis. He likes... Because uh, I saw this tongue sandwich. I was like, what the fuck? Oh, he likes tongue. He likes Jew tongue. No, I don't. No, he won't eat that. Bro, anything good. Taco de lengua. Bonle. You eat, Bro, yeah, he, you eat a lot of tongue. He won't, I used to eat, he won't eat those. I'm sure. Tongue taco, though. You have no idea. And If he told you that tofu was good, it probably was to him. And you're eating it too, like a fucking morta. You are eating that shit. It was delicious. I just bro. saw somebody. There was a there's a, a burger on Weight Watchers that you put a slice of tofu on. Oh, fuck Why that. would you put like a marinated tofu on a fucking piece of burger? Delicious. If you sold that shit at a restaurant, I would not step into your fucking restaurant <laughs> at all. If I find oh. that you have tofu burger, I don't get it. I just don't get it. I, I don't understand it. Oh man! And you're Mexican. We're, and that's what kills me. We're in Boulder. We are. In, oh, that's your heaven. We walked into a raw restaurant, oh, and Rodrigo yeah. ordered a raw mini slice slider, and it was all made with raw stuff. Nothing was cooked. The raw burger. Raw burger. It was like a the 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 bread was made out of like this toasty bread, and the middle was like beans. And the cheese was made of the cashew, and the ketchup was made natural <laughs> tomato. Dude, nothing was cooked. Rodrigo hated it. No, nah, bro. But he, he ate two tacos. Me. Next time you go to Boulder, you just call me and go. I'm going to Boulder in two days. That's all notice I need. Just tell the girl to open a car register. No, I'm gonna hook you up with one of the finest people and cooks I've ever met in my life, Antonio Laudisio. That's all you need to know. That's all <laughs> you need to know. He had three brothers. He had three brothers. One ran a, a restaurant in Miami, the other one in San Francisco, the other one in Boulder, the other one in New York. What do those towns like sound like you're doing? And that's exactly what they did. When the cops were looking for them, they all jumped on a ship. They shot, They got on sailboats, and they went around the world to evade prostitution. Cop, prosecution. Cop, prosecution. And they had to <laughs> cut a deal with the government. I met them when they cut a deal with the government. I met the wife first when she was running the restaurant. And I, then I was in the halfway house with the husband. And then we became fucking goombas. Still today, I still call him. He's Italian and he speaks better in Spanish than the both of you fucking knuckleheads. That's how real he is. He's his Spanish. And on his restaurant menu, he would, on Fridays, would be either Cuban food or Mexican food. And he would cook it and your fucking head would blow up. He's got a restaurant now, but I would have sent you down on Saturday to the farmer's market where he makes pizza by hand, and you get back to me. Mm-hmm. He's about 80 now. He's old. I just talked to him a couple months ago. He's my dog. That's where I would have sent you in Boulder. I don't think you can have it. What do you think you have one? You can't have the pizza because of the egg, right? No, the cheese. Oh, it doesn't cheese. fucking matter. You eat it. That's Antonio Ladizia. Who gives a fuck what your <laughs> dietary needs are? You're eating royalty. You know what I'm saying? Well, royalty. One day you get away from eating that billy goat food and fucking get a fucking some protein in you. 
Oh. Fucking tofu and gookfu and that shit. Gookfu? You know how much fucking good food there is in Boulder and you're eating a raw fucking burger? I would have put roller skates on and left him and Toby. And Toby Hicks should really be ashamed of himself because he's black. From Omaha. From Omaha. The dude, land of fucking steaks. He was the only black dude I noticed, bro. The only fucking black people in Boulder are football players. And when they got out of line, they beat on them too. They've been beating on those people for years. I tell you, the reason why I got away with my beef, biggest beef in Boulder, the biggest thing I ever did when I had two felonies was to smack my ex-girlfriend's husband for calling me a speck. And I got away with it because in the city limits of Boulder, you can't use a racial slur in Boulder because of the black football players. They got tortured so much. One of them, J.J. Flanagan, punched a chick in the fucking eye and knocked her eye out of some something fucking crazy. Jesus. So you can't fucking use racial slurs to say the limits of Boulder. They probably changed it by now after John Bonet. Fuck it, anything goes. We killed a kid at this point. Who gives a fuck about black people? You don't know. You don't know fucking Boulder. You never know. I don't fucking know. You know what I'm saying? What's the matter with you, Zombos? Everybody's out. I'm, I'm gonna be in. Um, I'm going to Hawaii, man, with Paul Rodriguez. Are you? Orale. Um, Hilo, Hilo, and Honolulu. Aloha. Aloha. Aloha shit. Shout out to Andy Bumatai, legend. Andy, I don't even know who Andy fucking Bumatai is. Did <laughs> we go to Colorado, Lee? I drove through it once on the, the way, way here. Just stop in Denver. Yeah, right out, at a Motel Six, right outside of Denver. That's it. I was driving here. Yeah. I've always wanted to go back. It seems nice. It seems very nice. I don't know. It's like I told you guys There's today. Traffic, you ready for this, though. guys? <laughs> they got the legalized weed. Yeah, my man. weed store. I told you in the beginning of the podcast that Sunset Herbal, the home of the stars, they open from six a.m. now to tw- at the ten a fucking clock at night. That's crazy. Go see my girl, Sky. She's going to work from 6 a.m. every day to 2. They got to serve bagels. I mean, they're going fucking big over that. But guess what, people? Let me tell you what California got themselves into. So for a $60 bag of weed, it's $16 a tax. So a $60 bag of weed now costs you $76. They don't really charge me. I just tell them what I want, and they give me a number, and I give it to them, and I tip the girls. But $16 on $60 worth of marijuana. And I think if you wanted it, you fucking got it, you fucking dummies. I think in Nevada, it's closer to 100%, isn't it? Like tax? No. I know that um, in Colorado, I think it's 25%, Rodrigo. Yeah, dude. 25%. And I don't go, let me tell you something. There's one weed store I go into when I do the comedy works because they're very nice people. That's the one by the condo around the corner? You don't stay in the condo, do you? No. You go downstairs? No, I go to a whole... Yeah, yeah, I go downstairs. Real clean, right? Nice, nice people. Yeah, 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 I've been to that one. I go to that one. They take care of me. They always tell you Dave Chappelle was here, you know. Do they? They always tell me that. Rodrigo Torres over here. Like a soldier. Rodrigo Torres, like I said... It's going to be the Brea, right? January what? Like I said... Like I said in the beginning of... uh, Yeah, this can't become a promotion show. I'm not going to tell off. Who cares, about, who cares about Hawaii? Just promote New York. Just New York. Don't worry about Hawaii. Aloha. New York. Yeah, that's let's right. worry about New York. This Saturday, Don't worry about Hawaii and this guy and Brad. Because well, now they're at home going, what the fuck is going on here? But it's really crazy when now that we were, here, fundraiser. we were here for the fucking regular weed, uh, you know, for the first boom. And it was very interesting. And now where it's become. 
And even with this fucking Colorado thing, you know, like now I go, like I said, when I go to Colorado, I don't even bother going to a fucking weed store because I bring my own shit. But wow, that's the first time I got killed at one of these fucking things this morning. I was wrong. It's 15%. Well, Where? In Vegas? In, yeah, Nevada, in Nevada. But I thought it was more. But no, it can't be. How are you going to go spend $100 on weed and $100 in taxes? They charge me double. You got to be a fucking moron to even walk in there. You really got to be a fucking tourist to walk in there and want to do something like that. That just sounds. Hey, and that's what they're guiding it for. Listen, California is pointing that to just like Colorado. Listen, they're going to do the same thing. And guess what? If you think Colorado was fucking you, California's going to bang you up the ass twice. They don't give a fuck. It's tough to get that license, and it's tough to do all this shit. They're making these girls 6 in the fucking morning to 10 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. Is that necessary? Is that fucking necessary? Even I don't need a weed store open at fucking 6. Even me, I don't need a weed store open at 6. I'm all right. I always have a little something for the mouse in the morning. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if you ain't got something yeah. for the mouse in the morning, you ain't fucking real. Jesus. Now, when are you planning on shooting another special, Felipe? Um, my deal with HBO is two years, so probably in two years. So you'll shoot one in two more years? Yes. Hopefully, it'll be with HBO, or I'll get a better deal with somebody, or hopefully HBO. And I want what I want to do. I want to host a stand-up show where I could showcase comedians. You know, like kind of, kind of like when when um, like Gabriel had Stand-Up Revolution. You know, so I want to do a show like that. Hopefully. Something original. Original. Yeah. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. You want to do a show, bring it up fucking other bit. <laughs> yeah, I want to do a show, bring it up other comics. Oh, what can you do? Can you do an explosion in between? Can you shoot a comic? I mean, what are you going to do? That's why bring a ne- freak show, bro. That's why the networks don't do it no more. Because it became like this fucking... I always thought it would change to to cater. Like, I'll fix my make, pitch. Like something to, to make it different, like... But we never came up with nothing better than one guy. How about K Locos? You know, look at like the Rodney specials. They were the epitome. Young comedians. The young comedians. That's what. But not everybody, they didn't put up a thousand people. They were just six. Six. All year. It, was, it, it wasn't like a series. That's what they fucked How up. How many comics get hot every year? There's comics that are working comics. I'm a working comic. I'm a working I'm comic. A hot comic. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a working comic. I'm a working comic. I'm not a hot comic. Those days are over with. A hot comic is Chappelle. It's fucking I'm lukewarm. Sebastian. It's fucking Bill Burr. They're hot comics, you know. Yeah. So I don't. I don't care about that. I'm Kevin. I'm, I'm for Kevin Hart. Gabriel. I'm, I'm fortunate to be fucking working. I'm very fortunate just to be fucking working. But uh, I'm in the matrix. Six comics is a year. That's what comes out of fucking anywhere. Six comics a year. You know, when you watch that, when you watch, well, young comedians and the one Rodney did with the already established guys was something different. See, that that's a nice one. What he did with Seinfeld and uh, Hicks and Clay. Kennison. Kennison, Lenny Clark. Robert Ke- Bobcat Goldway. Bob, no, that wasn't. Robert, Robert Townsend. Ke- Robert Townsend. And the the gay kid Jeff with Leather Jackin. No, Je- yes, Jeff Altman was on that one. Is, is that a book in my nose? That's right, Jeff Altman, Rob, Jeff, Robert Trimble, yeah, Robert Trimble was on those. And That's, Jeff, Jeff, what, what? The guy with the mask. Yes, he oh was my hard, God. man. Oh he was good, God. bro. Tell people how good the motherfucker was, bro. Jeff, what, what? I fucking. So if you want to get into boxing, what you gotta do is my name is Jeffy Jeff. Jeffy I run Jeff. Jeffy Jeff's Jeff. What? 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 <laughs> what the fuck? Who's talking to that shit? Remember his special? He had the football player. Yeah. See, it's weird. Who the mom? 
the mom, no, the, the most outstanding ones were Jiffy Jeff. Jiffy Jeff, because he was cross And fucking, uh, and it's funny, you know who reminds me of Jiffy Jeff and all that guy? You know, it was like a Rick DiBetetto. Have you ever worked with Rick DiBetetto? I don't know who that is. Rick DiBetetto, I think he's a Staten Island guy, but he's New Jersey. He's got a lot of videos on YouTube. Funny motherfucker. I'm gonna look him up. He's a garbage man in New York. And he's a father, you know, and he has a bro. I worked with him 15 years ago. Felipe, he's a writer like you. He took me to the fucking cleaners with a joke about taking his family to Florida with four kids in the car. Dog, I was in the back. I couldn't fucking breathe. I couldn't fucking breathe. Yeah, he's one of those comics. He's been around for 30 years, you know. Another guy, he's a working comic. Yeah. He's not a hot comic. He's a working comic. It's weird, like, though, like the comedians, like, you've never seen this guy in a podcast. You know, he don't do too many podcasts. This guy hardly has an email or, or a Yahoo or any, not even an AOL account. Nothing. But they're hilarious. They're like, hilarious. Dude, what are you doing? You know, like, like I work with a guy named Chuck Bartell. You know, he opened up for me, and I found out the, he had opened up for Nick Swartzen and Tom Papa. I couldn't find his phone number. I saw him at the, I saw him at the Comedy Magic once. And um, I, I called the Laugh Factory. Tom Papa called him. I called him. Him and I, we did a, a bunch of shows together in Ventura, Chicago. Now he's gone again. I can't find him. But this guy's hilarious, bro. He has a joke where he says that um, um, they say that um, sometimes fireworks, uh, gunshots sound like fireworks. So last year, um, during 4th of July, my neighbor killed and shot his whole family. And I'm outside my house with a hot dog singing, God bless America. Dude, but this guy's dark. And uh, he's pretty funny, man. But, you know, he's one of those guys. He's just a working comic. Chuck well, Bartel. Here's the problem that you have, Felipe. See, when I got into comedy, I got into comedy to hide. Like, I got into comedy to be like an outlaw comic. Like, I was just going to do comedy from town to town, do drugs, sleep, and that's it. That was it. I didn't want much. I didn't want a web page. It's, it's, and I've said this a thousand times, I really don't like when people develop in L.A. Because it puts too much unnecessary stress on you. Do you have a headshot? Do you have a website? You know, you, know, you don't have a manager. You want to be, you know, I want to be on Chelsea. Well, How many bro, followers you got? You just fucking started comedy. If you start comedy in Michigan, you don't talk about headshots. You just talk about comedy. Yeah, this guy from Minnesota. You just talk about comedy. That's it. When you start comedy in Boston, you talk about comedy. Nobody goes, hey, man, there's an agent looking for people to be on a TV show. You don't think about that outside shit. That's only here. Yeah. So it fucks you up in a way. I'm very happy I didn't develop here because they're already talking to you about developmental deals at the two-year mark, and you don't even have the fundamentals of how to hold a fucking microphone. So that's what I like. You know, like anything else, you got to have the fucking basics in you. You know, Felipe got basics. You got basics. I mean, you learned from you were around those schoolers, but if you watch, you ever watch young comics, and they're like, they don't have the basics down. They were drinking her hand for five minutes. It's like they put a drink up as a prop to try yeah. to throw you off. This little, I'm, I'm, I'm 25 years old. I've never brought a cocktail up on stage. Do you know that? Even in my fucking craziness, I've never brought a cocktail up on stage. I think that's offensive. I think that's really fucking offensive, unless you're Ron White. Yeah, unless you're going to be unless there for an hour. Yeah, unless you're somebody like that. It's your show. You want to bring a fucking picture up? Go, but if you're faking it, like to be cool to pick up chicks and they stir the drink out there, yeah, drives me fucking crazy. That's not comedy. 
That has nothing to do with comedy. They don't take the drink up there. When they bring a beer in their hand, yeah, what are you, you doing? Are you James Bond up there? The, the, the audience, the club owners like it because you're promoting the beer and people see that you're drinking, so they sell extra beer. I don't give a fuck about them. I'm worried about my comedy. I'm worried about doing fucking comedy. I'm worried about giving them the best show I can give them. That's the differences. That's why I don't bring that shit up there. Well, There's so many tricks people do. I know they're up there. They're, some, some of them are, are doing their comedy, and they're kind of like dancing with their beer, like moving around with it. I hate that shit, and I'm a fucking junkie. <laughs> you know, I never, you know, it's like, I, I would love, see, I would love to go on stage and bring a joint up on stage. Oh, me too, man. Give me three joints, I know when my set's over. When is it over? When I've smoked the half of, you know what I'm saying? Because I won't smoke the whole joint. You'll smoke a half. But for me, like, my next special, if I don't do this with Netflix, if Netflix says no to me, really doesn't bother me. Because my next special, I'm going to do, it's going to call three, it's going to be called three joints. The set's over when the three joints are gone. I'll find a place to let me smoke pot, even if it's the fourth wall. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. That's That'd it. That'd be fun, yeah? That's it. The set's over when you smoke three joints. That's it. That's my next comedy special. And then I retire from this motherfucker. Oh, I die, I get hit by a car. <laughs> like that video, that fucking... Isn't this happening this year? What are you <laughs> talking you about? Let me tell you something. That fucking... What's that crazy dude from Miami... That puts all the videos up and shit. Have you seen his last video he put up? Which guy? I don't know what you're talking about. The fucking guy from Miami that used to call into the podcast. The produ- director. Oh, Daniel Corbin. Have you seen Billy Corbin's Billy Corbin. video he put up about some guy got 20 years for hitting a kid on the scooter? And they show the guy getting hit on a Cocaine fucking... Cowboys huh? The guy who did Cocaine Cowboys. Right. Put up a video yesterday. Of some guy like on a scooter at night whistling down the street. Oh. Like, like one of those Spanish dudes that take those beach things at night. You're driving and you see like those Mexicans on a bicycle and a fucking drunk and a fucking drunk driver just clocks this fucking guy with his truck. I mean the guy lived in shit. There was a bunch of people walking, they ran and saved them. Two people got out of their car. See if you can find the video. I don't really want to see someone else get killed. <laughs> Listen, there's <laughs> That's, Why is this fun? The guy was like, off. that guy got hit. His fucking, he was skidding on the sideway. If that guy dies, bro, somebody cuts his leg, let's stake him. <laughs> That's how you got to stake him when a dude's leg fall off after an accident. Some guy just happens to be there, picks up that legs and runs with it, Jack. Oh, my God. It's the truth. I ain't going to lie to you, dog. Felipe, oh, here it is. Okay. Is it there? Show, put it on the big screen. Just listen to the, to Billy's tweet. Miami prostitute in passenger seat in car. Watch this. Put the video on. Will you show the Felipe? He's gonna fucking die. Let me see this shit. Look at this shit, dog. He clocks this dude heavy duty. I mean, poor guy. God rest his soul or whatever. Look. I think he lived. Oh. <laughs> Whoa. Look at this. Do that again. Put that. Why do you want to watch this? Put that again. This is a terrible video. And you know what's sad? It's only got 2,400. Oh, oh Rick Gutierrez. Look at him. He Wait, looks like a lot of people. Only has 2,400 Robert Velasco was sentenced to Tuesday to 20 years in prison for the crash. A hooker in his car was a star witness at the trial. I bet. I was blowing here when the whole thing went down. Look at this shit, bro. Look at this oh, poor bastard. Uh, look at him. Look different at him. angle, huh? No, but same angle. Oh, Ooh. my God. Oh, Thank God the hooker has. That would have killed me because I'm fat. Oh. Robert Velasco was sentenced Tuesday. 
20 years in prison. This is why, guys, this is why when Lee wanted to get a bicycle, I voted against it. Okay. You want to ride a bicycle, go to the fucking 24-hour fitness, and you get on that little scooter and you ride all you want with the helmet on, and I'll put a sticker on your helmet. <laughs> but you're a dumb fuck. You drive your bicycle in the wrong places, bro, this is what happens to you. I'm gonna, it's not that I'm anti-bicycle. I, I don't I don't trust people on the fucking roads, and no. this is the reason why. I trust you. I trust me on a bicycle. I just don't trust anybody else, and that could happen. I've known two people who are fucked up on bicycles right here in Studio City, right here, trying to be cute, riding their bicycles. One chick from yoga got blasted at night. I looked at her, I go, you really ride your bike at night? Oof. Yeah, it's okay. There's a bike path, um, okay. Is, it, is that safe? It don't matter. Somewhere... How do you get to the bike path? You're going to walk that bicycle Just drive it. to the bike path? You gonna, oh, you're going to do what? Drive to the bike path. You're going to drive to the bike path. You see what I got to deal with? It? Anything to save a calorie is fucking well, okay. If, if you don't want me that's to bike to the bike no, path. No, but who, who takes the... That's what I'm saying to you. That's my point. It's on the way to the fucking bike path where you get clocked with that fucking car. Right, that's why I was trying to avoid that. This is why. I don't... No, 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 no. You want to ride a bicycle? Get yourself a little bicycle and put it on your balcony. And you get vitamin D at the same time. That's the answer to vitamin D. But to ride a bike on the street, who the fuck are you kidding? You have a hard time walking. You won't leave the house in the daytime. He didn't leave the house till 2.30 yesterday, this poor bastard. You ride a bike? No, he don't have no fucking food. He's a chariot. I rode, I rode a bike up when, I, when I was up north, so I reinvigorated my love for it. So yeah, What up north? Uh, San Jose. You rode a bike up there? Yeah, Google. The- they have bikes just hanging out at Google because Google's so big. So you just get on a bicycle? Yeah, we just got on and rode around a little bit. Did you have a helmet? No, it's scary. Just took a chance. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't go on the street. I just went through their parking lots. Yeah, it's, it's you're real. an animal. It's real it was, on the it was, street. It was scary I don't fucking bit. like it. I don't fucking like it at all. Motorcycles. You go on the four hundred five and you see those fucking scooters flying Fast. by in the HOV lane, and you're like, bro, one day I'm he's gonna they're gonna fly yeah, yeah, into no, me. No, no, no. Motorcycles one are terrifying. I would never me. do that. And if you're riding a bicycle, motorcycle, you know I love you. And I care for you, and I'm not saying nothing in a negative light. But the odds are always against you, especially now. Especially in California, where these fucking people, every morning I wake up and somebody's getting hit by a car. There's a hit and run. Three mornings a week, there's a hit and run in California. And it's always in the shitty neighborhoods. It's, and it's always somebody fucking nice as fuck. A grandmother who goes to get a gallon of milk at 11 for her grandchildren or something. It's never like some fucking gang members or nothing. It's always like somebody who did something nice that gets whacked by a fucking car in the middle of the night. No, 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 no. They're right on the fucking bike. I don't even like... Listen, I've become so fucking... I used to walk around New York City for years with earphones on, with the Walkman. Remember the Walkman? Yes. I am petrified to walk around the park with earphones on that I can't hear somebody sneak up behind don't. Oh, yeah, I always have one earbud in, one earbud out. Yeah, I know. No, I don't want to do that either because I'm hearing birds and kids yelling. So, yeah, who needs that shit? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What do you mean? <laughs> I don't want to hear birds and kids yelling. I got the forest around me. You have to fully, like, be... Rawr, rawr, rawr. I'm fucking deaf. I want to hear shit. I don't want to hear some fucking... Uh, okay. I want to hear music, but I've become so paranoid about my surroundings in my older age because people don't give a fuck. People don't really give a fuck to that. You could be walking and somebody come up to you and stab you with a sword. And next thing you know, they, they, they don't like white people. Yeah, they don't like white people or something. Here comes the Calvary, eh? Guys, and if you're not walking around looking for that, there's, there's something wrong with you. Every day, and especially like if you go to New York. Look at fucking New York. There's always drama in New York on those fucking Yeah, so that guy with a hammer on YouTube. Somebody just told me they went to the, oh, John Butt. 
John Bug goes, let me tell you What something. happened? John Bug goes, every day there's something different on the subway. He goes, that is a fucking nightmare. John Bud went back, bro, and he says it was the longest vacation of his life. Oh, my God. I tell people, listen, when you got a girlfriend, it's three days. When you got a girlfriend in a strange town, it's three days. Anything up to three days, you're looking for trouble, especially in New York. That's a lot of walking and a lot of spending. I ain't fucking Pocahontas. You got three days to do what you want to do. They hit you with the Museum of Natural History. This, that, this, that, this, that, this, that. That's great. That's a great fucking plan. <laughs> but you better pick three and hold on tight to that because all this shit costs money and all this shit takes a lot of effort. He goes, he was never so cold in his life. His girlfriend got sick. He ended up getting sick. But I sent him to Arthur Avenue to get fucking Italian food. And he said it was because he was going to go to those fucking soup, uh, those traps down in Little Italy. Sparrow. It's amazing what's Oh, but not good then? Trash? I wouldn't go there. Could they, they're standing outside the outside the restaurant like Italian. Yeah. No, I don't even. Little Italy, no good food. I, I don't go down there. I go to. What the Mulberry? No, I go to. I go, you want real Italian? Yeah, real fucking Italian. Go to make a reservation when you leave here for Mario's or the other one next to it. I can't remember. Arthur Avenue in the Bronx. That's the last gem. Listen to me. That's the last gem. More than Mulberry. Oh yeah. Millbury's just a bunch of tourists go down there and see the Sopranos or where John Gotti was or whatever. That's done. Those days are done. So the restaurant never always been bad there? No, no, no. They Dominic's? were good at what Dominic's. Dominic. They were good at one time. But they sold them to somebody else. That's what those people were gangsters. They're where the gangsters. They're in jail. They're dead. So they sold Dominic's them. is cash only. Yeah. That's how good that fucking place is though. Just go to Art Avenue. Do not waste your time anywhere else anymore. Get that, Mario's. Get that bread from the Bronx. Get that bread from the Bronx. Learn what good fucking bread is. When you break that bread from the Bronx, this is bread. This is as good as it's going to get. You know, Some yeah, olive oil? Whatever. Butter, olive oil, tofu, whatever the fuck you're going to eat. You're going to ruin it anyway. You're going to fuck that meal up anyway. I wouldn't take you to Mario's because you're going to fucking depress me in there at some point. Angel hair pasta. And what do you eat? What sauce. do you eat? Angel hair pasta, spaghetti sauce. Angel hair pasta. Nothing else? No. Nah, I, I wouldn't even waste my time. Take him to fucking Sarbos. Uh, what was he going? Sparrows. Sparrows. That's where you belong. Vegan. You got to go there and get a meatball. How about those delis, man? Those cat's delis. Well, what are you going to eat there? Cat's delis closed. Yeah. Yeah, what are you going to eat there? You can't eat salami, right? No, so what are you going to waste people's time for going in there and insulting them? Avocado toast. No, don't go in there. Go to some place. They don't make avocado toast. They don't make avocado toast. No, what are you wasting people's time with that? And Barry, they know you're part of the church. You come in there, you order an avocado toast, it gets back to me. And then my feelings get hurt. You know what I'm saying? You I'll probably to, go to Chloe's. You wanted to die. Yeah, go to Chloe's or some Hindu vegan place. where <laughs> We love the fucking, you know, the flaming tofu. What are you, what are you grateful? I went to the vegan restaurant one time. And the waitress, they they ask you, they tell you, they ask you before you eat, what are you grateful for? For you fucking getting shot. That's what I'm what grateful for. What would you do for. a restaurant, a waitress, or a waiter came up to you? Hi, Mr. Um, what are you grateful for? That's where I get up. That's why I don't go to dinner parties. <laughs> That's why I don't go to dinner parties. Have you been to a dinner party in the last two years? Never. Three bro. years is a new thing with white people. They all look around at each other, 19 people, and they all want to say, at one point, get up and say what you're grateful for. You know what? I did that this morning already. Oh, I man. I sent it directly to God. Why am I going to say it to 19 people? I got to hear 19 ear beatings before I bite into this fucking salad. Number one, I walked in the door hungry, and you had a tofu platter with fucking, uh, there was no salami, there was no nothing. 
You ever go to those parties where you walk in stone and they got no fucking food and now they serve the dinner like an hour later and you got to wait an hour to fucking eat and you're fucking fucking roast already. Forget it. I don't go to, I don't want to know nothing. What are you grateful for? You know what? That you you asked me that question because now I can get up and get the fuck out of here. (laughs) That's why I cannot stand dinner parties where there's more than four people at a table. I avoid those like the plague, dog. That's what people do in fucking uh, Monterey Park. No, not Monterey Park. No, 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 no. They all go to the West Side. All the people who live in Santa Monica, they always have dinner parties. Why don't you come? The topic will be love. Listen, leave me the fuck alone. Oh, my God. Because number two, you know what else they do? They measure food. And nothing insults me more than when you go to somebody's house and they measure food. Like people who work in the room. You ever go to somebody's house and they were a chef or something? They measure fucking food. You want to piss me off, measure food. I'm taking what I want. Maybe I don't like the corn. Wait. Maybe I don't like the fucking corn. Not everything is like buffet style, Joe. Not anything is what? Not everything is Then buffet. don't invite me to your house. Like, then don't invite me to your house. It's like my wife. My wife went to Porto's this morning to, 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 to get some shit. <laughs> oh, by the way, you're invited. You're always all invited. Yeah. The park Saturday at 11. Uh... She calls me. She goes, I got 40 potatoes. I go, there's 40 fucking people. Get 90 balls. I want to throw away food. Yeah. I want to throw away fucking food. You know what I'm saying? Like, when you ever, you ever go to a party and they run out of food, that's an insult to me, dog. Yeah. That's an insult to me. You just insult me. They no more shrimp. Are you fucking Yeah. Then, then go get more. Don't put it out. Go get more. You know what I'm saying? How can you have a party? So, when I have a party, I want to throw away food. I was raised. It's her birthday. It's her birthday. I want everybody to go crazy. There's only one birthday a fucking year. She's only going to have this once. Like I said, I might be dead in two fucking years. I got to celebrate these birthdays Jesus while I got them. It's the truth, bro. Nobody sends, nobody tells you when the Grim Reaper's coming. You know what I'm saying? There's two things Mad you don't know. There's only one person who he was getting shot, and that was Kelly. He was waving. Kelly was the only guy that was waving while he got shot. He knew. He knew that he was the real psychic of them all. <laughs> Hey, if you're going to drop knowledge, drop knowledge. You know what I'm saying? It's good to see you, Felipe. Good to see you guys too, man. I'm happy you came happy up today. I'm happy, we talk, I'm happy we spoke about the journey of comedy. We oh, talked yeah, about Gene Perret. Well, not even Gene Perret. I just want people to know that, like I said, I've been doing, and I'm not even from L.A. That's the scary thing. I'm not even from L.A. If I was would have been from L.A., I would have been there when he got on stage the first time. But that's just to show you guys that when you go to your little fucking open mics and you're a little frustrated and you don't know that out of the 12 people in that room, three of you guys are going to be fucking stars. And it's not going to be, it's not going to be a big uh, mystery to who it's going to be, those stars. It's the people that stuck with it <clears throat> and took it seriously. That's that's amazing story, Felipe, that you told me. I never knew that. What? That that's the first place. When did you meet Willie? I met Willie in nineteen nine, like in the ninety late. Like I got my first TV credit in nineteen ninety six. What was it? Latino Laugh Festival with Jeff Valdez and um, Greg Giraldo. Okay, that was that year. Yeah, I got that one. And I I I met though I met um I was at Waldo's Comedy Station, and um they were doing comedy at the Hollywood Hotel Room, and I I met Willie Barcena at at uh I met. Johnny Sanchez first. I met Johnny Sanchez first, and then I met um, Willie Barcena at the the same comedy show on a Saturday night. He was wearing a Dodger shirt, a Dodger hat, 
And he came out to me and he said, what's up, man? You're from Boyle Heights? I'm from Boyle Heights. We should have lunch, bro. But I don't know shit about no man asking you for lunch. So I thought I was like, I thought she was gay, bro. So I never called that fool. So now when you were doing this in 95. And he got mad when I finally called him. Did you guys in 95, 94 know you guys had a little comedy click? Carlos no. had a little show, right? Carlos, Carlos had Carlos here. Yeah, he had hosted a show called Comedy Compadres, Compadres, and Comedy something that was on HBO. And but Comedy Compadres first, and by that yeah, time, Channel had, Five. By that time, he had like Pablo. He had a couple people on that Paulo show. Francisco, the O'Brien and Valdez. Wow. He had the Dan, Danny and his brother, the twins. Remember them? No. Yeah. That's crazy. I remember be, being in. Colorado dreaming about being on that show. And then he got the show on HBO. Yeah. What was that called? Comedy Loco Slam, right? Loco Slam. Slam. And that was was Yeah, that was a good show. I remember when they had the auditions, I was like a young I was at open mic and I saw Freddie Soto audition and he said, Hey bro, you should be auditioning, but I have no clue what was going on. So I was like outside watching and going, Man, okay. But I didn't know anybody in there. And what were you auditioning for? I did an audition. Everyone was auditioning at the comedy store for Comedy Picante. No, Loco Slam, hosted by by uh, hosted by Carlos Mencia, produced by Nelly Galan, Paul Rodriguez, and Jeff Valdez for HBO. It was supposed to be the, the Latino version of Def Jam. Def Jam. At the end, they would wave at Paul Rodriguez. Yeah, and Paul Rodriguez would say, Orale! And he and would take would a say bow goodbye and all take that a bow. shit. But I, I didn't. I never, never on that show. I did. The I tour. wanted to be on it. Oh my god! Man. Oh man, I wanted to be on Culture Clash when Culture Clash was on, but um, I didn't get a chance till '96. It was weird because after the Culture Clash thing, <coughs> they were big. During, I remember even Louis Guzman on House of Bugging. House of Bugging was funny. So there was, all these, there, Fox was all these Fox. Fucking, there was all these opportunities for Latinos, but bro, I wasn't getting them. No. And then when I came out here, I wasn't getting them either. You know, it was so weird. But these guys befriended me, and they didn't give a fuck that you know. Paul finally put me in there, thinking not Paul, but Jeff finally put me in. Well, there, funny is funny. Ninety-seven, and then we had funny is funny, funny, which was a fucking pain in the ass. I mean, you look back at that shit now, and it you was do like, K locals. Yeah, it was no fun for me. It was really like. I would do shit and they wouldn't count me in nothing. Like yeah, no tour. They would love me, but then they wouldn't count me even in the trailer. Like I would never be anywhere. You know, like I remember recently, a guy kept bugging me to do something about a year and a half ago, and I did it. And he blew smoke up my ass and the whole thing. And guess what? The show became a show, bro. And he avoided me like a plague. And then when he did the the star moments of the year, he didn't put me in. It's weird. And I just sit there and I giggle. I go, you know what? We're used to this shit. We're tougher than nails. We're still here doing our fucking thing. Who was part of the scene in 97? 97 was Carlos Alagraki from Reno 911. Yes. Paulo Francisco. Um, Carlos Oscar, he was pretty hot. Luke Torres. Luke Torres had a development deal. And Willie Barcetta had a development deal. Um, I think that's... Uh, there, was, there was also... Um, Willie Barcetta was headlining already, and so was Paulo Francisco. And there was, um, I think, um, you know anybody else? You remember? 
Oh, Raul Mar- Raul Martinez. Raul Martinez. Yeah, and uh, uh, Vic, Rudy, uh, Vic Rudy. Dunlop, Rudy Moreno, Vic Dunlop, Vic Dunlop, David Gutierrez. Vic Dunlop went back so far. He was on Richard Pryor's Richard Pryor show from the Rose show. Now, what was the name of the guy that took over for Freddie Prince when he got shot? And then he used to run the open mic at the Comedy Store, and he became a writer and acting coach. And you know, people laughed at him, bro. Quinn, no. The Spanish dude who had the, who taught Vinnie Curto how to write scripts. And Vinnie Curto went on to sell two scripts. The boxer that can't fucking remember. Vinnie Curto went on to sell two scripts. One to De Niro and the other one to Jack Nicholson. Bill Torres? No. He was a fucking guy that took over for Freddie Prince. See what his name was, Lee. Fred, guy who took over for Freddie Prince. That's the guy who played Freddie Prince in the movie, right? No, he, ended up, he was Queen Latifah's acting coach for a while. John Mercedes. No. Friends with John Mercedes. Danny Mora. Danny Mora. Danny Mora. Danny Mora. The acting coach. Yes, he's an acting coach. In fact, he was, what's the young guy that got married and fucking on his his bachelor party fucked the chick and she divorced him? Mario Lopez. Mario Lopez. Yeah, he coached Mario. He coaches Mario. He knew Mario since Mario was a fucking kid. He had Mario all those fucking years. So Danny Mora been around? Danny Moore was Danny Moore was around before Paul dude Danny, Danny Moore was, was around about, before Paul Rodriguez. He was there during the strike. Yes. Like during the comedy store strike, he was on the he was on, he was one of Mitzi's short side. Danny Moore fucking took over for Freddie Prince when he got when he killed himself. That the anniversary should be soon, any day now. What's the anniversary for Freddie Prince, brother? Should be. If my memory still serves me, it was cold out in Jersey. And I think it was January. So when Freddie Prince killed himself, Danny Mora became Chico on Chico and the Man. 29th. He, 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 he was? 29th of January, right? Mm-hmm. He was? I didn't know that. Yeah, Danny Mora was the Chico and the Man. I mean, it, it, he probably did six episodes. Yeah. He canceled it. It was tough to watch Chico and the Man after he killed himself. But Danny Mora, Danny Mora was a very good man. He was very good to me. He called me from time to time. When Vic Dunlap died, he invited me to the funeral, but I lost contact with him. I really did. I'd like to get him on the show. If anybody knows how to get a talk with Danny, Danny Mora. I thought I seen him with that Willie's house. Yeah, that's what uh, I'll do. I'll call Willie. That Maryland's thing. Yeah, it had to be. Like, I haven't seen him. I haven't spoken to him now. That's how I see him. <clears throat> when was the last? Did you see him at Willie's how long ago? Was he at Paul Rodriguez play? No, I didn't see him over there. Hmm. Nah, he's not part of that organization. He was um, Danny Mora during the, when they were on strike. He was part of the he was part of the he didn't strike with the comedians. He was like he said, "Fuck that! These guys never stood up for me." So he he took the Mitzi slide. That's why he's still around. That's why she made him like a talent coordinator. Yeah, or he, he was loyal to, to the store and loyal to Mitzi. Yeah, no, no, he was a good fucking dude like that. No, bro, we come from good stock, Philippe. We're very lucky. Uh, we met at a part in Daddy our life. Where I needed you, and you needed me. I mean, we became friends and. uh I just want to let people know, man, this ain't a fucking overnight thing. We're talking 20. You you think, you sit there right now, you go, fucking 20 years. I don't have 20 years to become a comedian. I need to do, and that's great. You'll become a great comedian in eight years, but it's not what long, it, it's not part of the journey, man. The journey takes a lot longer. And I tell you what, when you're doing comedy 20 years, it's so sweeter. It really is a lot sweeter. Like, you see the game. I'm like, I, you know, when I go to jujitsu and I see those professors think of shit and do shit, 
and my tongue just sits there hanging. That's the way it is for me with comedy. You know what else is getting like that for me now? Acting, bro. I've been acting for so long now that not to say this out of no disrespect, when I go on a set, like, I fucking know it. Like, I fucking know it. Like, I don't have to be told. Like, I don't know, you know, most com... Oh, Jesus Christ. See, that guy's still driving. Fuck that. He's not in jail. That's a guy who just got hit by a bicycle. See what I'm saying? Give <laughs> that fucking break. But no, man, it's uh, it's always a pleasure to see you, and it's always a pleasure to see somebody who paid his fucking dues and uh, could honestly say nobody gave a shit, Felipe. Nobody gave a shit, man. You know, like I called my agent the other night. I go, listen, man, when Netflix tells you no, I don't want you to disappear. He goes, why would you say that? I go, bro, because I've been in this town for 20 years. They got, they already had their six people picked. You know, they want me to go through the hoops. You know how long I've been? I still remember them reaching out to me for the Latino Laugh Festival and then telling me to go fuck myself. <laughs> yeah. Two years in a row, they told me to go fuck myself. Dale. I, if I saw a comic and I liked them and I walked up to him and it was my festival, that means I'm in. I was minding my own business when Jeff Valdez came up to me in Seattle. Do you know that? You do know that, right? In Seattle? Jeff Valdez is, or he used to have family in Seattle. I thought from Denver. Yeah, he's from Denver. Yeah. He's from Colorado Springs. But I saw him in Seattle. That's where he first saw me at the comedy. Before you came to LA? Way before. How do you well, think I, I ended up that. there? I think I ended up here. He's the one that came up to me and said, I got a project. You're perfect for it. Plus, I got a festival. I'd like you to be part of the festival. Maybe we'll do a Cuban thing. And then he, I called him the next day at the hotel, and he met me for lunch. And he told me what his plans were. And then that was it. And then all of a sudden, one day I had a call from uh, some dude. Uh, Pat Buckles is the town. Pat, who the fuck is town? I talked to Jeff Valdez. Where's Jeff Valdez? Well, you have to send a tape to Pat Buckles. Who the fuck is Pat Buckles? And that's the first time. And I, and I told my the guy who was kind of like my manager at the time. I go, they're going to give it to me. Why would this guy come up to me? No, nah, they turned you down. Then they turned me down again the second year. Then the third year, they included me, but in a show with Bobby Lee, like an Asian flair. And I've always told that one year he didn't treat me right, which I was really pissed about, was the year that he made me and Marilyn audition. The reason why he almost got, well, he got, you were there that night when it went down. The reason why he got fucking his head banged against the wall was because he did something really bad, man. He made me and Marilyn showcase like eight times for that festival. Then he told us like that Thursday. He told you what to wear, too. Well, it wasn't even what to wear. He told us that he could, we couldn't say certain things. And then he told us a week before that we could not, um, that he was not going to have the, the dirty show. And then the week of, he added True Blue at midnight, hosted by Carlos Mencia. And it was all clean comics, but they were trying to work dirty. But he wouldn't put, that's why I went crazy. That was the real reason, because I felt that he had fucked me and Marilyn I recovered from it. I wasn't that upset. I was upset for maybe two days. But it really fucked Marilyn up. And then he went back to Marilyn years later and he put her in some stupid TV show that he was paying her 50 bucks. A day, yeah, whack. He was Urban paying her what? What was it? Yeah. Urban Jungle. Urban, Urban paying Jungle. Nothing, he was paying nothing. And you know what? He was making millions for that. He yeah, made millions. There was that Chris. So it was like he was robbing his own people. That's what really pissed me off. Like, you know what? Go rob fucking somebody white. Go rob a fucking black dude. But you're robbing the same fucking people that, you know, these are your people. They have nothing. Look where he grew up. He grew up in a fucking project that when there was an earthquake, they had a sleeping fucking tents outside. 
Are you fucking kidding me? And you can't give us an extra $50? So that's why, to this day, I don't like that motherfucker at all. Because he, he fucked his own people. Go fuck somebody else. I don't. I mean, I don't want you to fuck somebody else, but go fuck somebody else. Because this isn't about a real estate deal. This had nothing to do with a drug deal. This had nothing to do with none of these type of deals. You know what this had to do with, Lee? Talent. Talent. And when it comes to talent, man, I know what it feels like to be fucking rejected and to be fucking looked at and spit in your fucking face. It's not a good feeling. It's not a good fucking feeling. Especially when you don't have much. Especially when you don't have much going for you. And yeah, that's part of the fucking game, Joey. You shouldn't whine. I understand it's part of the game, but it's not what he did. It's how they did it. It's how they did it. Repeatedly. Not repeatedly, but like I just told you. It's like, you know, it's like, Lee, if I'm Jewish and me and you are friends and I'm booking something and I keep fucking you over and over again. I don't know I carry it on. You know, after when I see you, I always go, Laheim. You know what I'm saying? I always say Shalom and I make believe I'm such a big Jew. You follow me? I hear great things about you. Yeah, it's all bullshit. But anyway, I don't want to hold you here in traffic. This poor bastard, God knows what he needs. He needs to fucking. He needs smooth. a star of death. He needs another star of death to get him going, my man Rodrigo Torres. Anyway, I love you, brother. Thank you love for coming too, on man. the fucking What's show. What's up, fool? And we'll uh, check in with you soon to see what the fuck's going on. Don't forget, my man Felipe Esparza will be in New York City this Saturday night at the PlayStation Theater yes. in Manhattan. What time? Eight o'clock, Rodrigo. Hosted yeah. by Luis Guzman. Like I said in the beginning, the NFL playoffs are finally here, and I want to tell you guys about MyBookie.ag. Again, the number one rated online sports book. All right? They have odds on everything live betting, an all-new prop builder. Create your own betting slips. Bet how you want. You can bet your friends LeBron will score 30-plus and have 10-plus assists. Why not bet it at MyBookie and put your money where your mouth is? Bet from your desktop, tablet, or where there's a world-class mobile site that lets you bet anytime, anywhere, okay? You can bet from your desktop, tablet, on their world-class mobile site that lets you bet from anytime, anywhere. My bookie offers the fastest, no-hassle payouts when you win. And that's the most important thing. Because putting a bet in is easy. Getting paid, that's what they specialize in, mybookie.ag. So join now, today, at mybookie.ag, and they'll match your deposit with up to a 50% bonus. You understand me? The NFL playoffs are here. Basketball's here. This is your time to make some money. Go to mybookie.ag today and bet on the internet's favorite sports bank where you play, you win, and you get paid. Number two, like I told you in the beginning, Blue Apron is the leading milk kit delivery service in the U.S. Their mission is to make incredible home cook accessible to everyone. They achieve this by supporting a more sustainable food system, setting the highest standards for ingredients, and building a community of home chefs. Blue Apron offers three plans. They got the two person meal plan, the family plan, and the fucking wine plan. Have you heard about this one? But anyway, what they're going to start doing ending on February 26th is Blue Apron is teaming up with Whole30 to bring you delicious recipes. Our menu will feature two Whole30 approved recipes each week, like Mexican spice barramundi with avocado or togarashi chicken lettuce cups with avocado and kale and sweet potato salad. Kickstart your new year with Blue Apron and Whole30, okay? The thing about this is, listen, it's flexible. Blue Apron offers 12 new recipes each week, 
and customers can pick two, three, or four recipes. Fit, you know, based on what best fits their schedule. Let me tell you what this week's menu is, just so you know, all right? We got the steak Diane with mushroom pan sauce and mashed potatoes. Tremendous. We got Lee's favorite, General Tao's chicken with bok choy and jasmine rice. Mm. We got Whole30 approved Mexican spice barramundi. And we got Whole30 approved togarashi chicken lettuce cups with avocado. Not only that, not only do you eat healthy, you learn how to cook. And it's a family type thing. Because the best part of the day happened over dinner. So we want you to share that perspective. So right now. Blue Apron is treating the church family listeners to their first three meals. That's three meals on the arm. Three meals on the house if you visit blueapron.com slash joey. Like I said, go to this week's menu, and we'll give you 30% off with free shipping at blueapron.com slash joey. Like I said in the beginning, and I'll say it again, Blue Apron is a better way to cook. And listen. If you cook, you got to eat. And when you eat, you shit. And when you shit, you got a dirty asshole. And here at the church of what's happening now, we don't want this. That's why we go with HelloTushy.com. Listen, the number one portable fucking bidet out there, okay? Takes you 10 minutes to install. And guess what? Your asshole is tip-top motherfucking magoo after that. Or none will eat out of your asshole. That's how clean it is. <laughs> Sparkless, nice. You could smell that motherfucker and it doesn't smell like fireworks. You understand me? That's when you know your asshole is clean. Number two, they come in different colors. And number three, they come with a 60, 90-day guarantee. I forget right now. But it don't matter because me and Lee are fucking gorillas. And our bidet is still cleaning our assholes. Spiny, uh, shiny, spotty, fucking new every fucking day. So this thing will last forever. Because we didn't bust it. What Lee eats, all that hummus caked around his asshole... And all that shit he eats. If it fucking works on his, his asshole, imagine what it'll do for you. Go to hellotushy.com right now and press in. Church. Bam! And get 10% off your bidet. Whatever one you want. Whatever color. And they start at $69. Go to hellotushy.com today. I want to thank Hello Tushy. I want to thank my bookie.ag. I want to thank my men over there at Blue Apron. And I want to thank Felipe and Rodrigo for coming down tonight. Don't forget Austin, Texas. Next Thursday night and the Thursday after that, Charlotte, the fucking comedy zone. So fucking shine your shoes and wash your pussy. Uncle Joey's coming to town. Have a great weekend. We'll see you motherfuckers Monday morning. Lee, kick that motherfucking mule.
Something in your eyes 